of their people as they came into the store. Like on a, a big 60, I was still doing the full <laughs> foot assessment, right? Because <laughs> I wanted, because I didn't want to send them off. With just, a $40 you know, sketch of shoe. Yeah, right. I wanted to make sure I was giving them the right shoe. And, and so you just learn it over and over again. So I think that's it. That would be the, the the clue I would give, or the or the, the tip I would give for the employees with consider it as as healthcare. As this is an opportunity for you to really make a positive impact for your customer, for the yeah. the population. Welcome to the Manny Project podcast, where we reveal true stories of health, fitness, exercise, nutrition, success, and most importantly, failure. My name is John Meningas, and on this podcast, we hope to learn, get motivated, experiment, have fun, and be inspired. Welcome to the Manny Project Podcast, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 23. On today's episode, I introduce to you an assistant professor and laboratory manager, of the Motion Analysis Research Center at Samuel Merritt University in San Francisco. He also has a PhD in biomechanics from the University of Waterloo and is a certified kinesiologist. His name is Stephen Hill. I met Stephen about eight or nine years ago at National Sports and he was a hard worker, great work ethic, loved talking to customers and knew exactly what he was talking about when it came to walking and running shoes. On this episode, We talk about all things feet, all things footwear, and all things technical apparel. In addition, Stephen was more than kind enough to share some resources that we talked about on the podcast, so stay tuned to Instagram and my YouTube channel to see what Stephen was talking about. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Take care. (laughs) Finally, there we go. How's it going? Good. How about you? Good. Good. I figured after a whole year of Zoom calls, we would figure it out. I guess, right? Uh, it's always something. They're always they're always uh, modifying it. We've only just gotten Zoom at uh, at SMU. We've been using WebEx mostly. Okay. Uh, which is good because it's integrated with the Microsoft Teams and stuff. Oh yeah. But a yeah, lot of yeah. a lot of the students prefer prefer Zoom meetings. So yeah. I, I, whether it's the visuals are better or. But it's just easier to use. We <laughs> use uh, we use Teams at the store as well. Um, yeah. Honestly, they're both the same. I don't notice very much of a difference between either. But uh, Zoom is Zoom is easier to use. I guess it gets a little complicated with all these uh, meeting passcodes and the passwords okay. to get in. Whereas with Teams, it's typically just an email link, and you get in right into the into the meeting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it integrates well with Outlook. So I I can uh, initiate a, a scheduling a meeting. And then it shows up in my Outlook. And yeah. then I can add people from my address book really easily. Yeah. From work. So, yeah, yeah. Sounds yeah, good. So, uh, I like this backdrop. It looks very cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thanks. Very cool. Uh, you got to thank my sister for this. But she uh, she came up with the idea. And she even gave me some uh, custom mugs as well, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> Get the swag going. Man. I know. I'm trying to. Yeah. I'm trying to make this <laughs> look good. somewhat official. Yeah. Trying to. Oh, you're, we- <clears throat> you're wearing your Nike suit. I'm, I tend to wear all Nike stuff, too. So, I feel... Feel funny, like I'm. I should be, you know, representing, uh, mosaicing Nike? out, you know, Nike. I don't know, just because it's. I run, so it's what fits me, right? Yeah, and it's I, comfortable and stuff. Like I tried looking on websites of other shoe companies, and they don't have that much clothing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I think that's a missed opportunity for them because 
you know, if you like a certain brand, I think you'd want to represent. You know? Yeah. You want to wear uh, New Balance, you want to wear a bunch of New Balance logos and stuff or whatever. The funny thing with that is I remember when we were working together, I think it was an inventory night or it might have been just a casual day or like a training day after hours. Mm-hmm. And you came up to me one day and you were just like, hey, John, I just want to ask you, um, where do you get your technical clothing from? And you have a lot of technical clothing. I'm like, uh, you know what? I just was <laughs> kind of part of the business. And you're just like working at a sporting goods store and you, you know, has sport tech discount. So you just find whatever they had. But I do remember you being a Nike guy, very oh, yeah. big yeah. Nike guy. It's comfortable, you know, even now they're really stepping up their game. Like I just bought a few items from the website. Um, They've got the other, this this, um, recycled materials they're using now, like I guess those plastic bottles and so on. So I got a a pair of tights that are just fantastic. And uh, like a a technical like short sleeve shirt that I just got too. Nice. Are you still uh, running a lot or what's your running schedule like? Um, About... 20 miles a week is about as much wow. as I go. That's that's high for me. That's the last couple of months I've gotten up to that. Wow. Um, longest run I've done like in the last year is about eight miles. So okay. that's pretty, that was just like last week. I've done, um, I guess last fall I did as many as 10 miles, but I was, I was sick in March, like a year ago. And okay. so I sort of lost some of my fitness for about a, a month and then I gradually worked up. So now I feel like I'm back kind of where I was. That's good. Then. So are you, are you trying to aim for like three runs a week or what's your normal schedule like looking like? Yeah, it's like three to four. And then I do one of these. So I use the Nike Run Club app. Okay, cool. And then I use, and there's a Nike Training Club app as well. So once a week, the Nike Running Club app uh, shunts you over to do um, one of these indoor workouts. So, you know, planks and seesaw lunges and all that kind of stuff. Nice. So nice. working more on the core and some flexibility and that sort of thing so that seems to really work out well for me and i think since they added that um the core strengthening part to it it seems to have been improving my running technique that's good that's good so yeah i i know this is a question that you've probably been asked many times but how's uh how's covid and how is the management of covid around uh california i'm pretty impressed um i think when uh, so our our governor uh, Kevin Newsom is, is uh, they basically as as soon as it happened they basically had a stay at home order. Oh wow! So um, we had we were just we hosted a conference the first week of March. So we had um, outside speakers from around the North America, <laughs> and there was a lady sitting next to me in the front row because I was, you know, assisting with, um, my director, Drew Smith, was the one who was basically organizing the event, but we, we had a committee and I was helping with the speakers and stuff like this. And this person sneezed, like it was a big cartoon <laughs> sneeze. Right. And I thought, Oh, that's not good. Cause we'd already heard about COVID people were already doing the elbow bump instead of shaking. Yeah. And hands. they were kind of just we doing one of these shake hands. Yeah, we were shaking hands by mistake, right? It's like, oh, and then run to the washroom, wash your hands, whatever. Nobody was, it wasn't masks or anything like that yet. Yeah. It was March stuff. Was that but like the middle were, of March or like more the end? Because I know just, March just ramped the, it up. Yeah, just, so just the first week. So it was oh, okay, like the, okay. the 6th or 5th of March, something like that. Yeah. So I thought, oh, that's not good. Because I knew I hadn't slept much <laughs> a couple of nights before getting ready for this meeting. And sure enough so i moved over i was i felt like it was rude because you know it's just like one of the guests of course so i moved over and uh 
sure enough, like Monday, I woke up with this really bad oh. cold. I just felt really sick. You know, I had this headache, like it felt like, a, you know, they talk about splitting headache. It felt mm-hmm. like my forehead was going to split right here. Oh my goodness. I felt like I had chills, but I had a normal temperature. Okay. And my throat was really dry. I didn't have like a, a cough, like I wasn't, it wasn't producing anything, but I was exhausted. And I just like the week before I'd been running, I'd been doing, you know, my I had a long run once a week and I had a, a sh- couple of shorter runs and then a speed run. And then um, one of these workouts in, indoors and I was useless wow. for a week. I was just in bed. And then while I was homesick, you know, they, they had to stay at home order and, and Drew said, well, <laughs> just stay home. <laughs> yeah. There's not much else you can do. So, yeah. So I, I went, I had my laptop with me anyway. I worked, uh, I, you know, I'd bring it home all the time. Yeah. And so we just started working from home and luckily our university has a big um, shop of, of, they call it a NII. So it's academic uh, and instructional innovation. Okay, cool. So they do um, have all these apps. So they ha- already had WebEx. They already had, there's another thing called Big Blue Button, which is integrated into Canvas. I don't know if you've used Canvas. I've heard of Canvas. I've heard of Canvas. Yeah. So it's kind of like um, WebEx or Blackboard. It's a, it's an online um, interface where you can set up a course. So instead of handing out like a course outline, like you do at the beginning of a class, it's all done it's all online, right? Yeah. So they have submit their assignments online and, and there's a, there's an app like this, but it's kind of uh, rickety. It's not a great app. So we're, they're talking about now integrating zoom into canvas, oh, which wow. would be amazing because the students all prefer Zoom. Wow. I'm okay with WebEx or what, you know, you learn the app and figure it out. Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah. So, um, after kind of like a couple of weeks, AI was up to speed and they Good. offered these little online courses for the faculty. And we all learned the buttons and how to plug, you know, how to, you know, share your screen, all this kind of stuff. And they already had a certain amount of content. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So you guys were almost somewhat prepared for it, kind of. Yeah, it was kind of amazing. I was really impressed. And, and the instructional designers really stepped up and that was, uh, you know, because otherwise... What are you gonna do? Because yeah. all my stuff is hands-on. I'm in the lab. Um, I don't know if you know what my lab is like. No, we'll, we'll definitely really get into that because I I yeah. know you sent me a picture, but I definitely want to get into that. Sure, yeah. Uh, but I know so, we we'll continue because I don't. There's so many things I can ask you about that picture you sent me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so the lab is like 2,100 square feet. It's a it's a big lab. It's the biggest lab I've ever. Well, the, the biggest lab I've Jeez. seen is in Texas, which was like a it looks like a warehouse, like a dance club. Well, 2,100 square feet is still pretty big as well too it's pretty big so yeah um we have a full-length walkway so you can run along it um we have a instrumented treadmill so you can get people walking steady state or running full blast running up to speed nice um, the treadmill actually has two belts my joke is that's why it's twice as expensive <laughs> <laughs> has uh, two force plates underneath so i don't know you think about a, a force plate it's like a bathroom scale like you stand on the bathroom scale you can see your weight going up and down yep um but this has can measure forces in three directions. So X, Y, and Z. So you can measure not just vertical, but left, right, and forward and backward. Okay. The torques about those axes. Interesting. So you can see how your foot's interacting with the ground. And then we have 12 cameras around the room. We have the Motion Analysis Corporation, which is one of the ones that they use for movies and video games. Of course. So you put these for like- actually, The little, the pods on you, right? Yeah, so I actually have, so because I teach at home, I have some of these markers here. (laughs) 
I've always seen them. I've seen them actually at the university, uh, York University here. They have a lab where they actually analyze runners as well, too. And they do have all those pods. And it's kind of like either a suit or they can like stick it to the body. So there's the, this is the marker, what it looks like. It's kind of dull gray, right? Yep. It's like, it's like the same stuff that's on reflective, like on clothing, the same stuff that that your Nike Swish is made out of. Yeah. 3M Scotch light. And this is what it looks like when you shine a light. I'm just holding the the flashlight flashlight for my phone by the webcam. And you can see how it kind of pops, right? Mm, cool. So, and then the other thing we do is we put clusters of three markers on a rigid. So this is just a lid of a of an earphone case that I'm using. <laughs> just, but normally it's made of a black plastic uh, curved cuff that can go see on the. Here, I'll t- turn this off. Does it go mostly on the body though? It goes on m- yeah. multiple body areas, right? Yeah. So we'll put one on the over the sacrum, like the tailbone. Yeah. We'll put one um, on the forearm, so you can get yaw pitch roll like the three-dimensional motion of a single segment and then you can put them on adjacent segments and then you could have two of these so you can not just get say knee flexion extension but you could also get valgus varus and internal external rotation interesting and then you could get really translation so can you imagine if a gap a joint is gapping like you like a, you know when you do draw the draw test on the knee yep yep ACL. so imagine you can actually measure how much translation the distance is, is moving between distal femur proximal tibia interesting interesting right? so that's the so that's the idea of that so we have these 12 cameras around the room and then we have um in-shoe foot pressure mapping so we can measure foot distribution uh, pressure distribution within the foot got it and then um there's a walkway 26 foot walkway that really measures footprints it's the same kind of technology foot pressures so you can see different amounts of force but it's only really about capturing footprints so we can look at step length gate process and gate step. toad angle cadence and uh you know variability and stuff like that asymmetry left and right interesting so and then we have a balance platform uh which it's kind of like a fun a fun house kind of a version right so you're standing on the platform and it can pitch forward and backward or translate forward and backward okay and the visual surround can go can move <laughs> jeez and so you can play around with uh, and then you can also, you can put this, uh, it's like, it looks like the inside of a construction helmet, you know, that sort of plastic frame yep. that goes on. Yep. Just like the skull so, cap almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then there's an accelerometer that sits in the top of your head and then there's a screen in front. So the participant can be instructed to move their head in various ways to mess with this semicircular canal. It's like the inner ear, right? Hmm. Vestibular system. So by yeah. that, with that, you can mess with um, vestibular vision and the what they in the feet they call somatosensory which is like plantar continuous like the pressure sensations through your feet uh, the soles of your feet and, and the joints inside your foot and this is all within that 2100 square foot uh yeah. facility so that, wow that platform is just a standing it's often a little alcove which is like a little standing platform okay yeah so that's often the side so we so typically what we'll do is we'll have we'll test people for their balance first and there's a less like a dozen different batteries of tests that we can do with that platform and then we get them out into the main lab where we have them walking or running or nice you know, reaching and grasping or stuff like that interesting so are the people that are coming in are they mostly everyday joes are they athletes like who are who's coming in for the analysis basically are you getting everybody more or less um quite a variety so we're not we're not providing clinical service like you know, clinical gait analysis or yeah. anything like that, but it's part of research and teaching. So a lot of the participants are 
SMU right now, it has to be SMU students, staff, faculty, students. Because of COVID, nobody from the outside can come in, right? Yeah. And so we conducted a study uh, with, for it was actually contract research for Hoka, comparing two of their shoes. And we had staff, students, faculty come in and we had them walking and running on the treadmill um, with the two different shoes. So they did the balance platform barefoot and then they did. And then we're, we're still crunching those data right now. So cool. we had the cameras, we had full body markers, and then we had um, the force plates coming up from the underneath the treadmill. And then uh, the uh, F-scan in shoe foot pressure cool. mapping. Are they, the, the, the treadmill, is it solely to measure, you know, the weight and the pressure of specific, either the left or the right foot and the amount of force coming through, or is it also to kind of create and fix that imbalance between that individual or that participant? Yes, the first one. <laughs> so yes, so you can, you know, with a normal treadmill, it feels kind of spongy underfoot. Yep. Um, this one is solid, like you're running on concrete oh, okay. or steel, right? And yeah. then there's two separate belts and under each belt is a force plate. Got it. So even though the, the belt is skimming still... across the surface, you're still able to get the ground reaction forces. Um, and the trick is you have to, when they're walking, they need to sort of walk in the middle. So there's only ever one foot on each of the force plates. Got if it. both feet are on the same plate, I can't distinguish between the contributions of the left and the right feet. So, but once they're running, they're always either in flight phase or only single support. Yep. So then I can, I can say, yes, that's definitely left and right. But so when they're walking, I have to sort of say, I'll scooch forward a little bit, move back a bit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but and then they get used to where they are. We use a little, um, shoestring kind of approach okay. so that they can have a visual cue as to where they need to sort of keep walking. Okay. And then, and then we can collect the data and then the cameras are all around the room, um, mounted up on racks high in the, on the wall. How many cameras do you guys have? Cause I know you have the sensors on the body, but how many cameras do you have that are reading all these sensors? So the new system has 12 cameras, okay. which is fantastic. So the lab I had in Springfield, I don't know if you know, but I, I ran a lab in Springfield, Illinois from 90 to 95. Okay. And I had five cameras there, which was great. But at that time, most cameras had six. So I had some had problems with markers going out of view. Okay. Because uh, for, for a, a single marker to have X, Y, Z coordinates in the room, it needs to be capture different it. angles. Yeah. You got to be seen by at least two cameras. So uh, my joke uh... is it's like, it's like trying to play Frisbee with one eye closed, <laughs> right? You're going to get beamed in the head. Right. But if you have two eyes open, then you have, depth perception you can see left and right up and down and also forward and backward right yeah and the other thing is the markers are on different sides of the body so then that's true yep that's they, true you need to have cameras all around the room yeah, yeah. so that's and then so we pick landmarks um usually they're bony landmarks so we can define say you know the arm the forearm the, sure the, the collarbone the, the leg the, the different parts of the foot and now we even have models where we have multiple marks on the foot so we can separate the heel Wow. From the kind of midfoot, from the forefoot, and, and even a marker on, say, the, the big toe. Wow. So you can, um, that has to be done barefoot. Of course, <laughs> but, of course. So we can't do that on the treadmill. So we do some of that stuff over ground. This sounds go. like a complete playground for you. It literally it sounds like it's a complete like, playground. It's like playing every day. It's like <laughs> toys. And the fun thing, too, about it is that it's different kind of every day because we have, the, um, we're doing, so the Hoka research was, partly in collaboration with podiatry because it's foot and ankle and shoes and so on. Yep. Um, and then the other study, a couple of studies we're going uh, doing with, with occupational therapy. So 
patients who have had a stroke and that affected one upper limb and maybe there might be some effect to the other upper limb and then there's different rehab treatments that they'll use so they use muscle stimulation they um do this um pn you probably heard of pnf right proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation yes i Some believe so use that right i yeah. believe so and then um if you ever seen somebody wearing a, um, a sling the problem with that is that that's a, typically supporting the limb that was the side that was affected by the stroke yep whereas there's another method called constraint induced movement therapy where they actually put this put the good limb in the sling and make them use the, <laughs> the affected side to get them because it's used to get it back in motion exactly yeah yeah so that's another technique is constrained and it's movement therapy where they actually put a mitt around the affected the unaffected hand and make them use the hand that needs more work yeah i think that that practice has been used by almost everybody even including physiotherapists chiropractors because i remember um a couple years ago way back i think it was like 2012 when i actually partially tore my achilles uh my physiotherapist was saying okay so try to walk and i was like excuse me he goes, yeah, you just try to walk. You know, you had a torn Achilles on your left foot. So take off your shoes and with the right, you know, take a regular step with your right foot. But he's like, okay, well, try to take a step with your left. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this whatsoever. But I understand it. I, I do understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a Achilles, uh, not a, I didn't completely tear it. I had a, a tendonitis okay. on the left side. So just as these, so a year back, like a year and a half ago now, yeah, about a year and a half ago when I started venturing into different shoes. So I typically used to wear the Nike structure. Okay. Like we're on, they're on 23 now. And I, I can't even, worn, I can't keep, I can't keep up with the numbers, but I know the yeah. structures, the structures are good shoes. Yeah. It's like a stability shoe. It's not too aggressive. Like it's not as aggressive as the Asics, you know, those GT Tyanos? shoes. Like, I know the GT was like Asics. GT 120 or 2000. It was 2000 GT. Uh, the structure is pretty aggressive. Yeah. I mean, if you can, if you had to compare I have my it. shoes here, by the way, if you want to, I can show different shoes on the screen because that's what I do in one of my talks for podiatry. Since I can't be in person, I have my shoe collection here. And nice, I nice. Talk about the different features. Don't um, be afraid but, to share. I'm going to ask you eventually. I'm going to be asking you to share your favorite shoe with you. So don't okay. worry. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. So, uh, so that, um, so in this, so the structure I was wearing for a long time, but then Nike was coming out with this um, Vaporfly four percent with the carbon fiber plate and the fancy Zoomex foam yep. and all this, and I wanted to try it, of course, because I'm doing this. This is what I do. Right? You're curious. So I got a pair of the, um, the first one was, well, the training version was the, <clears throat> the Zoomfly four uh, percent, which was had the carbon fiber plate. Actually, had a had like a nylon plate, and but it had a a nice new foam. It didn't have the Zoomex foam. It had like the a different but is it is it zoom all the way throughout the entire foot or is it just through like the forefoot of the shoe or is it just uh the the cushioning or is it just the foam cushioning basically yeah so the um so the vape the vapor fly which is the like the actual racing marathon shoe yep has the zoom x foam for the full got it this is the this is the alpha this is the alpha fly which is like the current yep super shoe from nike see so those love a, those yeah yeah so it has a few extra things so the vapor fly kind of is a lot like this without this piece without yep. this air zoom pocket, pocket. I, I should bring it i got it in, <laughs> in the front hall but uh so it had the 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 vapor fly had just the zoom x all the way and okay it had, um 
and then had it in halfway through like a sandwich there was you can sort of see that the line there that represents where the carbon fiber plate is got it i like and that main, shoe i really like yeah, that shoe i've seen it feet. everywhere it looks a little yeah. funky but i really like that shoe and yeah, i love the heel of those shoes now yeah so this is kind of this is the one like a, this is like a the colorway of the one that he wore for that Jonas challenge that okay. like Kachobi wore and this is actually so they actually put his initials on there, EK. Nice, <laughs> so nice. You see that, but that's and it's even got has the uh, inside has the one fifty forty, which is his oh. time, which is like a real. It's almost like this is the one you should put on the shelf or something, you know. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm gonna wear it. You know? So anyway, this is so. There's I have the uh, I should show you the other one, which is the regular. You, you probably have them. Do you have them in the store? No, come on, Steve. You should know better. <laughs> you know, know you don't you get, go like, that deep. Well, but sometimes we got some really good shoes. Out, you know, <laughs> that was the thing. Like I learned a lot. I I, I want I wanted to talk about that too because um, I'll talk about that later. But the, the the opportunity to try on so many different shoes and see them on so many feet really has paid off. Like and yeah, for me, I completely agree. I you know it, it changed my my knowledge perspective and yeah of course you're you're definitely more exposed to more brands and you're exposed to different fits as well so yeah so anyway i started wearing these kind of technical shoes and it makes you run differently oh for sure right have you ever tried a pogo stick you just kind of learn how to bounce (laughs) yeah right and then or a trampoline right or one of these mini tramps you learn how to what's the best way to kind of exploit the bounce of the shoe and a lot of people were getting achilles injuries with these and I did as well, because you start bouncing because you can learn to exploit the shoe okay, to your own peril in a way, because you can end up bouncing too much. Okay. The other thing that happens is because this, this is stiff, like this is a normal shoe. Here's the old, yeah, here's the old, this is a 20, structure 23. You can see this is the standard thing where we, you guys taught us this, right? You look for the heel counter, the squeeze test. You look, look for, for the structure does, of the shoe right? and a good shape. Right. As soon as the shoe comes in the store, everybody takes it out of the box, squeezes the heel counter, twisting it, and see if it bends at the ball of the foot and the metatarsal heads, right? MTP joint, right? So then you can repair that to this shoe. Heel counter, it's kind of there. Pretty soft. But there's there's kind of like, I don't know, they just stiffened it. It's almost like it's this mesh that has a bit of glue in it. I don't know what they do in the back. But it's quite, it's a pretty good heel counter. Okay. There's no cushioning. There's this little pad. It looks like the inside of a football helmet, right? Yep. The way this pad is, right? And then it does have good stiffness, you know, in the long axis. It doesn't, it almost doesn't bend at all at the MTP. That's good. That's good. So it makes hmm, it interesting, right? So but you, you still had Achilles issues with that shoe? Yeah, because what happens is, you bounce more, you end up bouncing along more. Got it. You don't, you know, and the other thing that happens is if you, if you let the, if you let the shoe, if the shoe bends here, the center pressure is about here. Like if you think about the pressure of your foot, especially if you're a heel striker, yeah. And then it rolls forward. And then as you go forward like this, and, but as in this shoe, what happens is the center pressure ends up going way to the front. Interesting. So you get you think about the lever. Interesting. Okay. Um, I see what you're saying. I see what right. you're saying now. You end up having a larger torque on your Achilles tendon. Yep. And so interesting. And the whole time because of because of the this part here where it's they uh, Hoka calls it a meta rocker because the metatarsal this rocker bottom effect. Um, interesting. The, 
rocker bottom shoes are popular with people like orthopedic shoes to make it easier to, to walk. Walk, yep. Um, but in this case, it means that you can be up on the balls of your feet, you can be a four foot striker, you can push off, and you still have a, a lot of tread on the road. Oh, it looks like really good right? aggressive tread there. Yeah, right. So we on that angle, you can still be up off off your heel and still be clawing back nicely with that tread. Would you say yeah. that you're more of a heel striker though, or are you more of a four foot striker? I used to be a heel striker. I was taught to heel strike, you know, in junior high and, and through high school, I was a heel striker. If okay. I was running this a shorter distance, so I ran cross country, I ran 10 Ks and then, but I also ran uh, 800 meters and I ran 400 hurdles. Much um, more speed event, speed events. Yeah. So on those events, you're up on the balls of your feet. I ran yep. the 2000 meter steeplechase in high school. And in that you're heel striking. And then when you get towards the obstacle, you start getting up the balls of your feet, like a, like a hurdler. Yeah. Right. And so, but, but, um, during my, during grad school, I transitioned to be a, a forfeit striker. Okay. Cause I was, it was easier on my body. It was less impact because I was landing heel striking. I was feeling a jolt going sure. up my leg into my back, right? There's and a lot so more force way, coming down. Yeah, yeah. It's more, um, and in fact, one of the measures that we're, we use in, in running biomechanics is impact loading rate. So it's really the harshness, that jolt, you know, yeah. that impact. Yeah. Uh, and that's what, uh, that's one of, the, one of the measures that we're using in terms of, you know, how much cushioning is shoe providing, but also how- How much force is the body applying? So yeah, it's not exactly. just a shoe, it's but it's how much force is the body actually applying exactly. to the Exactly, because it's here, right? It's it's technique. It's not just, because we did have, I'm sure you've had it too. I've talked to people in the store and they sort of think the shoe is going to do it for them. Yeah. But it's partly picking a good shoe for your running style, your running surfaces and your mechanics, of course. but also using good technique. Yeah. I think what's you know, also, like, I, mean, I think what's common is that some people just generally have this misconception that the shoe is going to do it all for you. But you also need to think about, are you going to do a 5k run? Are you trying to do 20k? Are you just going to run for, you know, 1k? Are you going to try to do a sprint? Are you going to try to do a slow study state run? Like all of those factors should be coming into the decision of buying a shoe. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really true. And, and I'm sure you like in obviously lifting when you're, you do a lot of stuff in the gym, technique is critical in terms of not being injured, but also hitting the muscles you want to focus on. Right. But depending on even trunk angle or how you adjust your knees, you're going to get glutes or you're going to get quads, you know, that sort of thing. Right. When yep. you're doing a, a lift or something. Or if your so knees are going like past your, your feet or whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the same thing in running, I think a lot of people um, just go out and run and, and, and they're not, the, the goal is not to focus on running. The goal is to not focus, to focus on relaxing and, you know, the cares of the day some stress. go away, you know. My brother and I is a, a, into fishing, and he says the beautiful thing about fishing is when you're fishing, you can only think about fishing. Yeah. You know, you just can't think about life and whatever. So in, in running, what I do is I really focus on the technique because I'm, I'm, I read a lot about it in the literature. I watch these YouTube videos of all these reviewers and stuff and see what they say because their stuff comes out first. Theirs is just opinion and based on personal experience. And then after that comes the peer-reviewed article. So there's a bit of a phase lag. Initially, it's a little bit softer in terms of there's no numbers per se. It's of course, it's opinion. Bodies, yeah, opinion, yeah. And then they've seen, they've observed people, so they'll, you know, there's lots of people who do video of Ilya Kipchoge and then try to do a video analysis of what they see him doing. 
but again, it's just it's just kinematics. They can only see posture. They can't measure the forces. They can't measure the muscle activity. Of course, they're sort of inferring what's going on. So then the next question would be, okay, let's plug let's some measure stuff it out. in and then try it. Let's get some <laughs> right, data. So yeah, so that's where we are with that. So I, I I like to I pay attention to those opinions, and then you know. How, how dig deeper and actually yeah. investigate <laughs> into a research question. So that's the fun part. And then to get back to um, the day-to-day -day thing is that the researchers come into the lab and they have clinical questions they want to turn into research questions and then that mm. test those research ideas. So the, the um, so for me that to go back to the shoes thing, I, I ended up getting Achilles injury because I was one of these people bouncing too much in my shoes. Part of it was I, uh, so I had to learn to, acclimatize to the shoe to use it to its best advantage without exploding to the point where I'm injuring my, my legs or whatever. So weird question. So that brings into question, you know, multiple different types of shoes. Cause you were in the structures before and now you're in the vapor flies. So do you find that you have to adjust every single time you buy a new pair of shoes or are you buying shoes to not adjust? What, it, what is your preference? Um, the, I think the important, I'll start with the, the first thing is the overuse injury. Some people say running is a, an overuse injury waiting to happen, right? Mm. So one of the ways of not getting injured is by running different ways. So even within a run, you'll see um, this interplay where you'll partway through the run, your quads start to get sore. Then you can focus on extending with your glutes more and using your hamstrings more. You can play around with uh, what they call falling angles. So this sort of sure. trunk, this whether or not you're forward leaning or you're further yeah. back. Yeah. So I focus on leaning with my chest, but having a good chin tuck my, so running high, not like on drugs, but you know, running like tall and then leaning with my chest. So I'm, I'm able to, by leaning forward, having this falling angle that they refer to, like you okay. see Ilya Kipchoge running, you can see the angle of his trunk, it's not tilting like it's, a little bit more forward. Yeah, it's not like hip flexion, but it's his whole body is leaning forward in the direction of his run. Okay. And that means that the range of motion that you have at the hip is limited. So if your rectus femoris is tight, then it's as pretty you're tough to, to bring your heel forward because you're kind of setting yourself up to land and strike in a very specific direction, right? Yeah. So you end up leaning with your knee so you can flex your knee, flex your hip and your knee through. And then when you hit the ground, the skid velocity actually is, you're already pushing back against the ground when you hit the ground. Yep, yep. As opposed to with heel striking, it's almost like a plane landing where you, I've ever seen a plane <laughs> landing where you can see the tires the back end the, hits those first. little plumes of smoke come up. Yeah, <laughs> so that's so that's what I think of when I'm, if I'm heel striking is that I'm actually slowing myself down and then trying Interesting. to Interesting. And then with the hip, the other thing is that, um, to this clawback part, if you have, if I, I had tight rectus femoris, so as I was trying to extend my hip, my you were getting uh, the rectus wasn't giving me enough reach back. Yeah, you're getting you're restricted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been work so I work on rolling and stretching, trying to get <laughs> that increased range in my rectus, especially. Um, it used to be hamstrings was my problem, but my hamstrings now have pretty good flexibility because I've been doing a lot of over the years, more training, a lot of hamstring stretching and so on. That's good. And yeah, so it's always like a fine tuning kind of thing. And um, so, so I, I know you're more of a techie, so you would opt more to try new shoes and then challenge yourself through structure of running 
as opposed to buying the shoe that you know you're consistent with. So if the Zoom Structure 23 came out, you're not the one to go to 24, 25, 26. You're more experimental, and I think that's also because of you know your profession and what you do. You're curious, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. To, so I I really liked like trying the new shoes, and I so for example, I did a, a speed workout yesterday. I wore the Saucony nice. Endorphin Speed, which nice. is a lighter shoe. And it's one of these, the Endorphin Pro is their super shoe, like the shoe you would wear to race a marathon. This is like the shoe you use for your intervals. Like yesterday, it was 10 400s. So okay. I did an hour. So I did a, it was like a, a mile warm up, um, the 10 by 400s, and then I'm running a mile back. <laughs> that okay. was the whole workout. And so these shoes are really light. Those look really nice. Those look yeah. really nice. Honestly, I've, I've gotten away from Saucony shoes a lot. Um, I used to really love the Convaras, but I'm not on that level. I'm not on the uh, super elite shoe level anymore. These ones are, I think these are 160 US. What are those called again? Sorry. Uh, the Endorphin Speed. Endorphin Speed. Okay. So Saucony has three shoes. They started off with the Endorphin Pro, which is the carbon fiber shoe. Okay. Um, this is the Endorphin Speed, which is a nylon plate in between. Interesting. Okay. And it's got two layers of, of the, it's called, they call it, power run PB. so it's a p it's a pb it's a p-box foam okay but it's but it's like a little i don't know if you see it in the can but it's little clumps you know the way um adidas ultra boost has like looks like little yeah, clumps like balls. an old fashioned you know those old styrofoam coolers yeah yeah white, <laughs> yeah. white and if you drop it it just breaks into a little bits yeah yeah so that's what it looks like this is not it's not fragile obviously but i think because it's in these little globs balls yeah, <laughs> that seems to be the way that the industry is going, though. So I yeah. think Adidas kind of started it, and then they moved yeah. into Nike Reacts, and then all of a sudden, everyone's starting to do it now. Saucony yes. actually has some really good. Uh, we we sell some good Triumph shoes that actually have. I think I can't remember what it's called. Is it the Everrun? But they do have those small, tiny little bumps. But that yeah. seems to be the way that the industry is moving towards. Yeah, so I think the Everrun is more like a durability kind of one, sure. and this is the Power Run PB. So it's the P-Bax foam, but it's more about. Um, speed efficiency so speed yeah, efficiency so you get the not just cushioning but the rebound so it bounces back yeah and so this yeah. is a fairly stiff shoe but it's not as aggressive as the carbon fiber shoe okay um, the other thing that's funny about this shoe is that it feels more like a normal shoe like if you wear these ones it takes a while to get used to it like the first time, those i can imagine those i can right? imagine they're how... so weird when you first put them on you can't walk around in them initially they, they look backwards, to be honest. They look very backwards. <laughs> yeah, because you'd think this would be at the heel. But this is the thing is you don't, like if you look at the, I don't know if you can see the tread, but there's, there's almost no wear in the rear foot of the shoe. Which is interesting because you know what? That's, you know, they, they literally put the shoe backwards. Typically in, <laughs> in regular days, you would put the carbon rubber right to the back end to protect the heel, yeah, make sure it right doesn't rub lateral, out, lateral, just yeah. to make sure it doesn't burn out. But that's yeah. the complete, complete opposite. So this has a little bit of rubber just on the, medium lateral borders of the rear foot and then okay. right back here this is this is just midsole this is just the zoom X. that's interesting that's and then uh, that's if you look at it this way it's it's actually when they talk about nike air this is actual air <laughs> there's nothing there's yeah. no shoe in between and, and you know what that these, is there an offset on that or is it a negative offset because it doesn't look like it's i think the it offset looks like is it's a negative small. offset. it's only about it feels like it feels negative because this makes you this is so stiff but yeah. i think it's about six millimeters you know normal really? shoe was like 10 to 12 millimeters that looks like it's actually tilting the other way completely yeah <laughs> um, and it feels it because you're 
um, but because it's designed to make you up here. Yeah, more of a forefoot, right, as yeah. opposed to a full heel. Yeah, so this does get this is some getting used to, and it really is a road shoe. It's not. Uh, it's, it's not good for uh, running out in the trails because it's oh of course stack height is of the, course this um the uh, it's the uh, Olympic Committee or the you know track and field uh, oh, World Athletics I think it's called World, World Athletics Fox. Association they said because there was all this controversy about these high stack height shoes and the carbon fiber they said the shoe can only have one carbon fiber plate. And it can only, can be no higher than forty millimeters stack height. Okay. So this one's thirty nine point five. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so that's the um. This is this is the training version of that shoe. Okay. It actually has a stack height is greater than that. I think it's like forty one or something like that. So okay. it, you can't really use this as your racing shoe in a. Shoe I don't think you'd want to race. use that anyways. I'm sure it's a yeah. little bit too heavy to begin with. It is a heavier shoe. It's designed yeah. to be durable, so you're gonna racking up some miles yeah. it's a good speed shoe again it has like a carbon it has the actually i think it's a nylon plate in this one so it's a has a bit more spring to it okay but, it but i'm assuming that the heel is a lot more stiff compared to the running shoe the, the speed version yeah this one actually has um the react foam in the back oh, okay okay so it's a bit more durable yeah and um and then it's got the zoom x foam up here you know what i haven't deep yeah. i haven't dug deep into the new world of nike but i need to I really need some new Nike in my life. Yeah, it's it's really fun. There's even um there's they have a new um I haven't bought it yet, but I, I'd like to. I, I have a pair of Metcons that I use for those indoor nice. workouts. Nice, Metcon yeah. three fine it. So it's there's only a little bit of midsole. It's not a cushion shoe. In fact, mm -hmm. some of the jumping I actually do on my yoga mat because I know I'm not getting enough cushion <laughs> from shoes. Yeah, probably killing my yoga mat. Um, but they just came out with a new shoe. Um, a new Metcon or something else. It's called a super rep and there's a new super rep too. And it has these pods in the front. Oh goodness. Right. Okay. And then okay. it also has um, right here, there's a bend. So when you're doing planks, for an example, it's called, it's actually called a plank slot or something like that. Is it, is it for all the toes or is it literally on just on the big toe? Yeah, side? right. The whole right oh, across wow. the, here. So yep. the idea is when you're doing a plank or when you're doing um, mountain climbers, for an example, you have the shoe the... will bend, right? So you're not up on that. You're not up you're on, not on the toe. toe. You're on the tip the of the tip toe. toe of the shoe. The shoe uh, flexes um, that shoe. I don't have it here, but um, so I'm toying with the idea of getting that, but I can't really justify because I use my Metcons only <laughs> once a week. They look brand new. I never take them outside. <laughs> they're still perfectly clean and they're not showing anywhere at all. I use my so. Metcons inside as well too. And I wish I could grab it. It's a little bit far away from me, but I have my Metcons just around the corner. And it does have a little bit of that breakage for the toes yeah. in order to actually kind of grip. But is it, is it more of a kind of breakage in the toes or? I haven't haven't had them in my hands Okay. no. Um, but I've the seen Metcons the do videos. have it though. The Metcons do yeah. have that uh, ability to bend a little bit more. Yeah, to accommodate those kinds of things. So if you're doing yeah. a, a pose when you need to be up on, and the shoe needs to give, so that you still have some tread on the ground. Yeah. So they and they have, it has quite a stack height. But as okay. we saw, these, these shoes are all designed Metcon, for running. Metcons typically don't have very much of a stack height at all. Yeah, they're just really low to the ground, which yeah. is kind of what you want when you're doing stuff where you're lifting or you're doing side to side activity or if you're doing agility work. The, yeah, or doing um, what are they called? Uh, Karaoke's or in dancing, they call it grapevine, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
this side to side things. The basically anything lateral, anything lateral, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. So there's a big. Want to feel more part of one. Yeah. If you're, if for IT band, one of the common exercises uh, for people with IT band problems is this crossover. You do the sideways shuffle, and then in dancing they call it grapevine, and and in fitness classes they call it karaoke. Okay. I think I know what you're crossover. talking about, but it's yeah. a left foot, right foot, right foot, yeah. left foot. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you go the other way. So you're getting, you're dominating with the other side. So you can't do that in a shoe like this because there's no <laughs> lateral stability, right? No, there's no, nothing. not at all. Whereas what they did with the, those um, super reps, because the shoe's so high and the stack height is similar to this, they built up this a, hard a plastic flare? on the outside. Yeah. They flared yeah, yeah. on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> but I still think it's going to be quite high. But it, uh, there's a, actually it's a, uh, a woman in, uh, she's in Ottawa, I think. She's a Canadian podcaster or YouTuber, and she does reviews, all kinds of athletic stuff. Okay. She's one of the few people I saw who actually did a, a YouTube video where she wore the shoes and she was doing the lateral box jumps on this, which I thought is, that's a really good test of lateral stability. Yeah, you do seriously. lateral box jumps. So, and she was doing it fine. And it was kind of fun because she turned up the, she sped it up because she showed her whole workout. Okay. But the audio sounded like a cartoon character because it was sped up. Right? <laughs> but it was a good, it was a good review. And uh, so I actually commented and, and fed back and forth with her a few times because uh, I was, I'm still considering getting that shoe, but I'm concerned that it's a little too high. It's high, but also it, I was wondering if it's going to be loud because I'm doing these in the living room, right? <laughs> Linda's at the kitchen table working. And what if I'm, but because these shoes are loud because of this. These well, it's pods. a really stiff forefront. Yeah, pod, it's, but it's also a stiff forefront too, right? You got carbon rubber on the outside. Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna almost slap on the surface. And it sounds like clop, 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 clop. Like people yeah. turn around when I come, come along. Like I, I run on the Iron Horse Trail, which used to be a train track, right? There used to be train tracks there, and obviously they, I don't know how long it's been there, but historically they tore up the old train tracks and paved it, and now it's like a nice green space where people can walk their dogs and nice. push strollers and, and run. So a lot of runners and so on, cyclists going by. And then I'll be running in these shoes and you can hear me coming <laughs> clop, 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 and like a horse. Around, what is, yeah. What is that? <laughs> Cause there are horses. There are people who have horses in their backyard and they take their horses out for a ride or whatever. Nice. So, nice. Uh, you see a few horses there occasionally. And so, deer and so on. Yeah. I think it's fairly safe to say you're quite a bit of a techie. You're very, very curious about new shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm a massive, massive Asics guy. So if I could replace this Nike with this and kind of replace this with replace it with Asics, we talked a lot about Nike shoes, a little bit about Saucony shoes. Um, but what about Asics shoes? Are you uh, an Asics guy? Have you tried Asics? Is there just something that you like, don't like? There's a couple of Asics shoes that I really like. Um, <clears throat> the stability shoe at the time. So when I was at National, I tried on the Asics. Um, it was a 120 GT. There was a 2000 GT. Yeah, and there's uh, all the ones with the 3000s. Yeah, so they all had. I don't have one, but they instead of just more EVA, they would have this hard plastic shank in the, in the middle, and that would improve that stiffness. Mm -hmm. um, and that was because I wear a carbon fiber orthotic. I have all this stuff beside me. <laughs> Normally, when I do this shoe talk, I just put all my stuff beside me. This is the this is the orthotics I wear for running. Nice. It's a carbon fiber orthotic, and then uh, a four foot extension that's soft. Like a, mm -hmm. this, the four foot extension is sort of like a super feet. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's got the foam and a little bit of a sponginess, not too much. Yeah, and yeah. then there's this little thin woven layer on top that goes against your skin. 
So because I have that, that's why, even though I have a pretty flexible foot, I can get away with wearing some of these technical shoes. Mm, but I found the, the Asics, those GT shoes were just too stiff for me. They were too aggressive. Okay. And that was like more clop, clop, clop to me. It was just, I, I felt like my foot is being forced to land a certain way. Um, probably Did you ever... Oh, go ahead. I, tr I tried the kin bars, but they were just too flexible for me. <laughs> there was nothing, right? Yeah. Um, I think the newer kin bars, I think, have more structural integrity. There is the a little ones. bit more. It's a little bit also a little bit more of a higher stack shoe as well, too. Whereas before it used to be a little more minimalistic. Yeah. But now they've actually stacked a little bit higher. Yeah. So there was that that trend of minimalist. We actually had a, I remember there was a shoe in the store actually tried on. Um, called the, the free it was actually called the minimus oh yeah the, the free oh, well, there's the also freeze. the minimus too yeah <laughs> so the freeze i could i like them for about half an hour and then i'd have to try some <laughs> wear something else because my arches were killing me my achilles were like <laughs> well that's what i wanted to ask you as well too so like fashion, yeah i definitely want to talk to you about like foot health and different trends in the footwear market and minimalistic shoes is one of them because everyone jumped on board when nike did their nike free campaign and Nike free shoes were the thing. And you know what? Till today, they are still kind of popular. But you tried on the Nike pair of free shoes. I've tried them on before. And as soon as I tried it on, I literally threw it out. Like I put it back in the box. <laughs> I returned it right back to the store because I knew what these would do to my feet. What did they yeah. do to your feet? So for me, like I said, I would have them. I don't know if you knew, but upstairs in the, in the, um, in the staff room, I would have a couple of different pairs of shoes in my backpack. Yep, and yep. over a, an eight-hour shift or whatever. You'd rotate I would, and change. Yeah, I'd change shoes every like three Didn't hours. Didn't you have like the neon yellow uh, Nike Freeze? I thought it was the yeah, neon yeah. yellow with the blue uh, ones. I had, I, had um, I don't remember what the color But yeah, they might have been the yellow ones. I yeah. think they were the neon yellow yeah, with blue. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I remember right? that, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, why not? But I, So I tried them and they feel great for like half an hour. And so your plantar fascia start getting all stretching and yeah you can feel the twist in the tissue it's like oh and um and you were walking quite and, a lot too it's not like yeah, you're just you're like standing, standing in one spot and you're jumping up uh you know i don't know if you well, did it but there was these there were ladders in the back room <laughs> stock room well I you're supposed ladder. to use a ladder yeah yeah i know because but the only time i ever fell in the stock room was when i was using the ladder <laughs> so what i did was i would jump and then i would do this like a squirrel in a chimney i would put my hands and feet out and that would that's like how I would hold on to the third. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's how I would go up and get the shoes. And then they would, then I would just drop down and land like, you know, and that was what worked for me. And if I ever tried to use a ladder, you know, <laughs> didn't work some of the ladders felt a little rickety. I was like, eh, it was also a tight back room too. So it I'll was, give you that. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. So I, for me, it, it worked out really well. I would just sort of climb up the, <laughs> the uh, stocks and then I would grab the shoe and then, you know, which by the way, is still not recommended, but <laughs> you still got to do it. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> And that was because I had a secure grip with my hands and feet on the shelves. I was comfortable clamoring up that way. And then yep. I could grab the shoe and you get used to holding the shoe just with one, the box with one hand. Or even just the hole of the box with the finger. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Your finger through that <laughs> hole. yeah. So that was, that was how it worked for me. And I could get away with using those freeze, even doing all that stuff. Again, half an hour was my limit. And then I knew I had to change to something else. So I know a lot of people still love buying those shoes. Um, from me, that would be more of an opinion base, but for someone like you that has like real data and real structure as to the knowledge as to why, why would those shoes not be good for you long-term? So they're not, I, I, my, my joke is they're, they're keeping, they look nice and they're keeping the bottoms of your feet clean. But other than that, <laughs> they're not providing anything. There's no cushioning. Yeah. There's no support. 
there are some people who do really well in those shoes. Um, someone who has a, um, a strong arch. Very ideal kind of neutral, rect what they call rectus, so a new neutral foot with a substantial arch. Mm -hmm. uh, someone who is not overweight. So they <laughs> are like fairly healthy, light, fairly lean. Literally light on their feet. So they have good technique. They don't weigh very much, but also they're not pounding on their feet. Yeah. They're not relying on the shoe. Um, we had a podiatry student who ran barefoot. He would run. He oh, literally ran around Lake. There's a, a lake in town called Lake Merritt. He would run around Lake Merritt barefoot. I wouldn't trust it because there's, you know, syringes stuff in the, in the park, <laughs> right? But but uh, he would. He was great, and and but his running technique. He was a he was a runner, but he was he wasn't overweight. But he had he husky. Strong, he just had a strong core. He was muscular. But his running technique was really ideal. He was a real technician. Okay. Right. But he could get away with wearing a minimal shoe. He liked the, um, what are they called? The vibram or some people oh, say yeah. vibram, right? The yeah. five fingers, they oh, called it. Goodness. Yeah. There were lawsuits, there were class action lawsuits against that because so many people got injured because again, they were relying on the shoe. So some people would do well with, with um, a fairly minimal shoe. Yep. But no now they're recognizing, no like you said. Yeah, but even on 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 these rubberized tracks we have now, the Chevron tracks, people are doing better in cushion spikes. So the new record for the ten thousand meters was just broken, but it, both in women and in men wearing that new. Um, it's a it's a Nike middle distance spike, but it has a, a substantial midsole with with Zumex as well as the spikes. Right. Okay. There's and there's specialized ones for different distances. They have a special one just for like one, two, and four. There's another one for four, eight, and fifteen hundred. And because normally spikes would be literally the foot, like one small little bit of an insole, and then straight to the spike. Exactly. Yeah. But this is now with a little more of a stock to it, a little more there's of a an EVA yeah, foam. There's a, yeah, there's a little bit of stock height to it, and so you can see them on the website. And they have, if you look at the. The description it says this is designed specifically for one, two, and four. That's all. Like, don't <laughs> run any further than the four meters in it because you're getting no protection. Because if you've ever worn like soccer shoes or any kind of spikes, you can feel the plastic underneath yes. the balls of your feet, right? You yep. can feel oh, yeah. even in some soccer shoes, you can feel the individual studs. Spike specifically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so that's and then you see some people afterwards, they have like a little cut, like a callus, and then the callus is cut out, like you know, they've actually cut through the bottom of their, their foot so yeah. these new spikes provide you with cushioning protection from the impact but also some energy return mm, so that interesting. energy efficiency so yeah so i i think for casual use and for some people who have again maybe ideal body composition and ideal body mechanics and they're careful technical runners they can probably get away with a, a minimal issue but yeah. again i would i'm the more, again, maybe this is me just coming up for excuses for having so many pairs of shoes, but, <laughs> but I, I really can get away with running more by rotating my shoes. So yep, it gives us completely agree. We, we always used to talk to people about, you know, in a store would be to talk about the fact that you can look at the shoe and you can see the, even like the old EVA, that old cut EVA that we used to see, like those $39 shoes. I heard you talk about the $39 running shoes in the previous podcast, right? Yeah. There's still shoes out that you can buy that have like the cut EVA where mm -hmm. it's open pore. And then this, this compression molded EVA, which just ends up having like a skin on the outside, right? Because of that molding process, it's actually like a closed foam. Yep. It's less susceptible to the outside world, right? 
Um, so you don't get water and dirt in the shoe, but it still does break down eventually. Of course, of course. And, but and as then, long as you're doing a good constant rotation of shoes, it's not going to break down as quickly. Yeah, because the, the foam gets a chance to recoil, like, you know, fluffing up your pillow in the morning, mm -hmm. right? And then, uh, and then the other thing is that if you are rotating your shoes, you're giving this, like this shoe's not, I'm not using it every other day if I'm running in the shoe. In fact, I just, this has now become one of my walking around shoes. <laughs> it's not as much fun to run in. So I just, I don't, don't tend to turn to it as much. Yeah, I hate to say but, it. It's not as sexy of a shoe as the uh, vapor flies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just wear it as my everyday shoe now. Yeah. Um, these, are, these other technical shoes are more fun to run in. Um, yeah. You can get more out of it. The other thing that's kind of cool is that um, these shoes almost encourage you to run better. So if you run well, sure. you get more out of the carbon fiber shoes. Cause you, if true. you're, if you're, if you do have that falling angle and you are pushing back this, the way the shoe rebounds, it helps you to get a good heel lift. And so it's, it's almost, it, it sort of facilitates it. And then, so if I'm, my one of my running cues is lead with a flex knee and if i do that then indirectly i'm i'm getting you're my increasing your performance yeah you're, you're you're being much more efficient at the step than you would be otherwise and yeah and and you know sometimes in a run your technique falls apart so you see a lot of times someone running a 10k or even a marathon or whatever the last few hundred meters of the run they're just like falling apart, right? <laughs> yeah. Because you're just exhausted and you just try you're just doing whatever line, you can, right? Whatever you can, you're just literally crawling on the, on the pavement, right? But if you can actually stick to the program and really stay with your technique and be efficient, then that's actually the best way to get across the line, especially when you're particularly tired. Of course, you're right? trying to be as efficient as possible, but not as efficient as possible, you know, only in the first five minutes, but you also want to be doing that at two hours. Yeah. And so over the course of the run, you could be switching, going from say quad dominance to hamstring dominance. So you can play around with just like me constantly shifting in my chair. This is supposed to, you know, Linda got me this really nice ergonomic chair because um, I'm sitting here all the time. <laughs> and, uh, but even so, I still have to adjust the lumbar support. Yep, you squat. still want to kind of recorrect yourself, make around. sure you're rounding your right. shoulders back. And then just like similar to running. Talks. Yeah, so the same thing is, in running, I'm not just a machine doing the exact same thing. I'm, I'm adjusting, that's partly the terrain, but also I'm deliberately, even if I was totally on flat ground, I'm gonna have to modify so that I'm not as prone to overuse injuries. So that's yeah. kinda, I know so you. I, I truly try to focus on that. Yeah. I know you talked about also that ideal population. So the ideal population that was, you know, really lean, that fits a proper gait step process. Like they, they actually are the ideal candidate for a minimalist shoe. Just take a random number. If you can give me a, a guess, like what percentage of the population is that? Is that, you know, 2% of people that you would see buying shoes? Cause you were on the retail side of it now. You don't like those, you, those don't see them, shoes. Right? you don't see them. Like I just bought, um, now that Nike has all this stuff, they I didn't recognize, realize it, but of course Nike has a specific line for the elite runners, mm -hmm. right? I normally, in anything Nike, I wear a, a large t-shirt or whatever and medium or small shorts or tights. That's just, and I'm not like disproportionate or anything. That's just typically, but I'm just a little bit heavier through here because I'm not an elite runner for, yeah. you know, if I was, I'm like 170, 
170 pounds now, but, and I was in grad school, I was like 210, 215, <laughs> you know, um, but I bought um, one of these, this shirt I can show you, um, I can grab it, but so I bought, I ordered large and when I got it, it was way too small because it was designed for an elite runner. <laughs> it was a lot, it was a lot leader than I am. Yeah. And I had to send it back and get an extra large. An extra large <laughs> is still, you know, like fairly, fairly tight. Yeah. 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 And then the silly things, little things like those running sleeves, it tells you to measure your elbow diameter and so on. Mm-hmm. I ordered the, the small medium because that's what it said. And I get it. And it's like, you know, like <laughs> tiny, <laughs> I had to get the, the large extra large. Um, because I'm not this elite, um, you know, super skinny runner. So well, to even ask you about that. So you're a very technical apparel kind of guy. Yeah. Are there technical pieces of apparel that you use that you find that help your performance in running? Or yeah. is it just, you know, I'm just going to put on this t-shirt and go. It's really, I think it's really important. Um, um, Tim Dutra is one of the podiatry profs I work with. He's great. And his, one of his lines is uh, cotton is rotten. <laughs> he's, he's talking specifically about cotton socks, but even like if you ever okay. go running in a cotton t-shirt, you sweat through it and then you freeze because you're, you're cold. And you're holding on to that moisture. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's uh, making you cold and you actually get a chill. So if, uh, so one thing running in Canada in the winter, that the balances stay warm enough, but don't get hot enough. You break into a sweat and you just soak through your clothing and then freeze. Yeah. Um, so it's really important to have a breathable base layer. So I have a couple of t-shirts that are Nike ones that are all essentially mesh. Like it's a, a, a loose weave and you can actually see through it as much as these, these shoes, yep. the uppers of the shoes. And then, um, and then a, a sort of warmth layer and then a kind of windbreaking layer. Okay. But the problem is a lot of windbreakers is they don't breathe. And then you just yes. kind of like, it rains it's inside insulating, jacket, right? basically yeah. yeah it's insulating yeah, so, all the heat and the moisture yeah so i have a shirt now that's from nike it feels almost nylon-y but it's the back is totally mesh and it's got a lot of venting and i i'll wear that instead of windbreaker um just to block some of the wind and it's but it's breathable enough that i'm not sweating inside the clothing so, okay will you also type, experiment with yeah. socks as well too oh yeah yeah so this, oh, okay yeah so this the socks I ran in yesterday were those, um, there's a company called Features, like an F-E-E-T. Okay. They're they're fairly new, I think. Oh, they've been around since 2006 or 2001 or something. Possibly but, US-based, I guess, because I haven't yeah, heard Yeah, it's a US company, yeah. yeah. So it's F-E-E-T, like feet, and then shirts. Like okay. The rest of it. And they have cushioning and so on. I, I wore them yesterday in the Sauconies because the Sauconies tend to fit a little bit bigger. Like I couldn't, uh, I, I wanted to, to like the Saucony guide, which is their stability mm-hmm. shoe. They have the yep. guide and the ride. Yep. Guide and ride. The, the guide is, the heel was too wide for me. I just couldn't wear them. I, I would just be stepping out of the back, but the endorphin feed is more of a narrower fit. Um, and, but I still need to wear a slightly thicker sock than I would in, um, so I'll wear a 10 in this, but in most of the newer Nike shoes, I wear a 10 and a half, but I'll wear a thin sock. So I could, if a thick sock, I would probably wear an 11 in this shoe, mm. but in the structure, it still fits like an old Nike. So I still wear a 10 in that one. Okay. But so the, this, this, I, I can, yeah. <laughs> so this is the, this is the Nike sock I wear. 
It's one of these Nike elites. And it's really thin. It's almost, it's, it's like the thickness of a dress. You know, the dress socks, have you ever worn like a black dress sock? Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. It's just almost like a, it's like a stocking almost. It's not quite as thin as that. They did have some cushion shoes that were cushioned on the heel and so on. But these ones are just really thin yep. and they're designed not to, you don't get blisters and stuff from them. No shaping. Much, yeah, there's yeah. not much, uh, there's a left and a right, which is really nice. So you don't end up with all this material bunching <clears> around your big toe. Yep. Um, and then I also have, where is it? These are like the more cushioned ones. I wear them in my, I have a couple of pairs of, of shoes I'll wear in the rain, the, the um, trail, like the Pegasus trail. Yep, yep. There's a Gore-Tex version. Yep. So you can wear it in the rain and so on. And those ones, I think it's because they assume you're going to be wearing thicker socks for warmth. Those shoes tend to fit a bit bigger. bigger. Okay. So if I was to wear those thin socks, I would be slopping around inside the shoe. Yeah. So I end up wearing, you know, this is their, I don't know what this one's called, but it's a really, it's kind of a thick sock. It's not quite as, you know, those Thorlows. I don't know about Thorlows, but I think I know exactly what sock that is because I still also use those socks when I was playing basketball. Yeah. Because they're a little more padded underneath the, the, underneath the, the toes and the feet. Yeah. Just to give you a little extra, you know? Yeah. So you can see there's the sink. Um, you probably see it. There's oh, a, yeah, yeah. Real, yeah, yeah. Distinct. Uh, it's thin through here, and sometimes it's even more elastic to give it a bit of arch support, and mm -hmm. then padding the balls of the feet and the heel, like you're yep. saying. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So those are a couple of the ones <laughs> I play around with. And, um, and I know you were, I think I cut you off when you were talking about it, but what about like tights? Because I know you're, you mentioned the word tights, I think. Yeah. So can I, I'll just go grab them? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. okay. Go ahead. And I'm definitely sporting the, the Swift now. I should have had you uh, in your closet instead. You should have uh, filmed me in the closet. Show me the complete yeah. wardrobe. Yeah, so this is, here, I'll start with these. This is like the normal, traditional tights. They're just Standard a Standard compression. Yeah, right? So yep. the, the thing about, I never liked running in tights because I could feel the pressure on the, the kneecap, on the patella. Okay. I didn't like it. It just was a, so I would, I used to wear, what is you know the running room? Yep. They had a thing called loose tights. So they were they were like if you tried running in regular track pants, it's like your ankles are getting kind of tripped up by all this extra material. Yeah. So they would have <clears throat> a little like more of a light, lightweight yeah. material, but it's not it's, uh skin tight. Yeah, so it'd be tapered at the ankle quite narrow. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Almost like have you seen track pants for soccer? It's narrow, it's tapered down to the ankle. So when you're doing ball handling you know this there's not a now you're wearing slew like of apparel running with uh, with you know flares from the 70s all this material is flapping <laughs> around you can't even see the ball right yeah so these are these are narrow again at the ankle that's quite tapered these yeah. are like a they're almost like a nylon material on the front for for wind breaking okay but they're just like a regular sweat pant material on the back like a track pant so that you can actually breathe and you're not like you know, getting inside this plastic bag yeah um, this is another version of that, which is, um, almost like tights in the, like in the still, leg, but still very fitted segment. though. But still yeah, very it's fitted. fitted. And then a bit baggy in the upper. Okay. Upper okay. part. So it's not like too, um, it's not like too much information. It's like, God, you know, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas these are, these are the new ones I just got, which I love. This is. Um, man you're a nike guy thin and thin like all the way yeah, through right? a nike guy 
So these ones are really stretchy. This is this new recycled material they're talking about, right? Because um, they're trying to be green. All companies are trying to be green. So this one is, you can see it, but it's kind of ribbed material. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Right? So there's a, it allows some motion at the knees. The knee, okay. I don't feel this un, uncomfortable pressure on my kneecaps. But the way it, it's different in the, this part here, the leg, the, the on your, on your shins and your calves. It's a little it stretchy, you... but I think because it's ribbed, it'll allow some movement and some, yeah. some so, stretch. So first time I ran in these, I could feel almost like a spring, like it was helping me get that heel lift that I was talking about. And okay. I was, my technique was actually being enhanced, maybe reminded and facilitated by the way the material bends the way it, where it should. Whereas before when I was wearing those first tights that I showed you, the traditional ones, it was almost like the, the tights were so tight, it wasn't letting me bend my knee as much as I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's kind of interesting that these ones, when I tried them, I, I've only run them three times now. The first time I wore them, I thought, oh, I can bend my knees again. I have tights. <laughs> I can feel the warmth and the support in my quads. Right. And yep. even my gastrocs, my calves, but I don't feel the limitation at my knees, which was, so that's for me is a really great. This is the, this is the, uh, the t-shirt I was talking about. It's kind of cool because here I'll turn the, they're starting to release this, you know, Nike has their own, um, their sports research lab, right? So okay. you probably you might've seen some videos. They use the same kind of equipment that we use. And um, this is the, you see that ring, they have them on a couple of different, they have it on the there shoulders. So when, when we put the markers on the person, we use little. Um, it's like the dots that you're showing you, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and then the, the adhesive, this, you know, the, you know, it's two-sided tape. Yep. The old EMG electrodes that we used to use used to use these electrode rings. Did you ever do that? Did, did, did no. You take... uh, no, so, I never tried that. So to put those electrodes on the muscles, it's uh, yeah, a piece it's like of a, it's plastic a and metal, and it's a two-sided ring, two-sided tape ring. Yeah. And those rings are conveniently the right size to stick on these on the shirt on these little markers. So those I don't know if you see it, but there's that same little ring sticking yep. it to this piece of plastic, and so that's kind of um what this piece is kind of giving a nod to because that's what quite often after you've done the experiment the adhesive ends up getting stuck in your clothing if you put in the wash <laughs> like that it's there forever so that's kind of a for me that was kind of it made me laugh to see that i was like oh they forgot to take the ring off before they put it <laughs> but it's just there to sort of go oh look it's like, yeah but it's, how many but pods does it have on it though because it looks like it has multiple pods on it yeah, so there's, well, typically we would have one on the acromion, the sort of a shoulder bony landmark. There's one on the back. We would normally have it on uh, C6. Okay. Um, because then we can, that's the Determine kind of the whether or not there's the neck, a bend. Right. And we would have markers. Uh, we sometimes have markers on, on the um, TMJ. Okay. Like on your sideburns. And then sometimes like um, on the forehead like a bindi, you know what I mean? Yep, but yep. sometimes we'll use like a, a headband. It looks like something from the seventies. Yeah. And like you said, the inside of that uh, old school helmets, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. this time we have a headband and we have multiple markers on like that. So we also do um, a T10, which is sort of like, if you look at the person's back, where their back goes from kyphosis to, to lordosis, there's that point of inflection. So it's kind of a convenient landmark. And then we have markers on that, the, uh, ASISs, the, okay. um, like the seatbelt bones. You know, when you yep. put your seatbelt, you're supposed to put, and then we have markers on, like I said before, the sacrum. So we'll put markers on 
uh, PSISs, or sometimes we'll put markers, um, a, a cluster of four on the sacrum. Cool. So then we can track where the pelvis is because I can't put a marker in the center of the hip joint because it's too deep. Sure. But there's in the, in the mathematical model, if I know where the ASAS is and the PSAS is in 3D, we can project where the center of the hip joint would be. And that becomes the proximal end, the, the, the high end of the, the thigh bone of the femur. Okay. So that's kind of how we <clears throat> reconstruct in 3D. That's, I mean, that's not me doing it. That's written that's, by the model. Yeah. yeah. I know that's the uh, technical apparel you have. Have you tried yeah. any uh, gradient compression apparel, whether it be socks or like leggings or tops or anything of that sorts? So different compression in different regions? Yeah. So let's see. Um, I haven't really. Like, I guess some of this stuff probably has that um, idea, but it's nothing that has, you know, featured that. Okay. Okay. What, what brand would do that? Or So uh, there's a brand that's, uh, I don't know if it's Canadian or if it's American, but I actually own compression sleeves for my calves. And I also own two different pairs of leggings. I actually have a couple of socks as well too, but they start with the most amount of tension. So let's just talk about leggings. They start with the most amount of tension at basically the ankle. It gets really, really tight also around the calf, but then as it gets to the knee, it loosens up. And as it gets to the quad, it loosens up. So it's to promote the circulation of blood to get back okay. to the heart. But have you ever experimented with any of those at all or no? Um, well, I use, there's one pair of socks that I have from Nike that are sort of knee high. Okay. So they- uh, they provide some sort of runs. compression. Yeah, sort of get that venous return going. Mm -hmm. So you don't get that blood pooling around your ankles. Yeah. Um, and all the tissue, um, sort of the fluid in your ankles and so on, the swelling yep. afterwards. So you see a lot of times, especially sprinters, they'll they'll do their work and then they'll put their legs up. Yeah. To sort of drain to promote them. the blood full black in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'll so after a workout, I'll put on these socks that are kind of like recover. They're essentially recovery socks. Nice. Um, I sometimes I wear them for the run as well, but most often I'll wear them after the run. Just okay. To, if I'm wearing shorts, for example, I don't want to wear long know, socks. Yeah. <laughs> looks kind of weird. So, <laughs> but it, and it's hot, right? But afterwards, it's nice. It feels good to. Um, get that drainage. Yeah. Would you say that you notice a difference when you tried running with them? Like, would you wear knee high socks underneath your pants? Yeah, I do some, sometimes more for warmth, but you do feel the additional support. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's some people call also refer to it as psychological splits. So it reminds you because you can feel the tension. Yep. You could argue that it's not providing you mechanical stability. I mean, I think it's more for like you say, the Venus return and the, blood pooling all that but it does remind you to stabilize your feet and ankles yep i would agree you know what i mean I'd so agree. that's kind of a part of it so yeah so i i do wear them probably um i guess when i ran the eight miles on saturday um it was i wore i wore those socks um and it does give you a a bit more um, a little more juice power maybe. yeah yeah it looks and when you're getting tired towards the end it's nice so if i know i'm like if i'm going for the longer run i'll wear the alpha flies i'll wear the most efficient shoes okay yeah i figure this is the first time in a while i've run eight miles i'm gonna get a little help get the from most the shoes because <laughs> <laughs> i know i still want to run the distance i don't want to poop out part with it because i typically do out and back i don't want to get stranded out somewhere of course because linda always jokes uh, just call me if you want me to come and pick you up i was like no <laughs> i'm not gonna do that <laughs> i think that's most of That'd us be the worst right so i i want to make sure yes i'm gonna 
and and that even that run it was supposed to be six and a half miles according to the nike run club app and i got to the point where okay this is where i should turn around i thought oh but if i run just this much more then i'll have seven miles three and a half out and back and i thought seven and a seven if i do another half mile on the way back another half mile i'll be doing eight (laughs) so i ended up running eight miles which is probably about because too much pounding or whatever so that's the other thing I've been, um, um, I tend to like, because I used to like those stability shoes. I like the secure fit. Um, yep. Now they, the term that I think it's only been around for eight months. People are starting talking about um, the sock fit. Shoes. Yeah. The lockdown is the word they use, right? Like if you look at these shoes, the structure, it has this padded, it has the hard plastic cup, right? The heel but it's also not just a plastic cup. But it's also a little more cushioned. Yeah, so to protect your Achilles and your heel from that hard plastic cup, they add all this padding. Mm-hmm. And also to keep your heel in the rear of the shoe, they add a couple of extra lace holes at the top and there's this strap up here to hold your foot in the rear foot. Yeah, just to kind of lock you back. Yeah, exactly. This lockdown, this secure fit. Um, so I had a pair of those, um, the React Infinity Run. Okay, yeah. See those? Yeah, I've seen so those. They were like the Epic those Reactor, the Odyssey React. They had more of like a, just a, like a, you said, a sock upper. Yep. It was almost no heel counter. There was no padding. There is, there. there is none back there. Right. And yeah. even the Flyknit version of this. I was going to say the Flyknit version almost has nothing to it, basically. Yeah. So it actually was ir- irritating. So I ended up adding, there's some <laughs> stuff you can buy from like a shoe repair place. I added this heel cushion yeah. and I added a felt tongue because there was no, I mean, they're trying to make the shoe as light as possible, mm-hmm. but as a result, that, that flying it material was really irritating. It was like a, like it was like a gunny sack, you know, like a bag you would get like a bag of potatoes. Uh, yeah. Kind right? of, kind of. And it was for me, it was really, especially if you're used to this cushy padding. Um, so I ended up adding all this stuff. And even now I, on, um, on the high-end shoes, I take an insole and I cut it and I give myself a little <laughs> bit more tongue padding. But even so, I was tightening my laces too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was actually causing, you know, soreness on the top of my foot because my laces were too tight yeah. and there was no cushioning in the tongue. So yeah. I've started doing this. But even with this, I'm still, I still need to learn to not tighten my <laughs> shoes up as much. I'm really bad at that, so... So, so I, then, yeah, I, yeah. I, I know you're a massive runner. What always kind of intrigues me about people that run is how do you find yourself recovering from it? Like, what are some practices that you practice personally that gets you ready for the next day or ready for the next run? Yeah. So um, the first thing is rolling and stretching really helps. Rolling especially. Mm-hmm. So I have the traditional foam roller. I just got it at the soft, hard. Basement. It's sort of a medium. It's. It's, it's not, not like those just, black foam ones, right? It's not yeah, the, it's the stiff black one? black foam one is oh, okay, pretty it is. stiff. Okay. Um, but it's not, I don't feel like it's aggressive because it's a smooth material. Yeah, yeah. Again, I can go and grab it if, if you, but you probably know, you probably sell them, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know exactly um, what you're talking about. And then there's another one that looks like it almost has treads. Yep. Yep. Right. So I have it's the, a little more the, etched in. There's more grooves to it. Yeah. So the one yeah. I bought is from Nike. Like the other one, the black foam roller is just a generic one I got from a sports basement. You probably can get them anywhere. And then the the one I got from Nike is a little bit bigger than a softball, but it okay. looks like a it looks like a tire tread. Like it's really deep. I'm not joking. I think I I am literally looking at mine. I have the exact same one, so yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. So I need to start out with the softer 
still firm black one. And then I can go to the, the tire tread softball okay. sort of size one. And the other one I have is like, um, like a the rolling, rolling pin. pin. Yeah. It's a, it's yellow and black and it's hard rubber, but again, it has the treads and I can use that initially. I used to just use it on the perineals, like the muscles in the outside of the leg. Yep. Um, but now I also do it on the quads and the IT band and the hamstrings. And, yep. and it, again, I, I have to start out with that, that the softer one first. first and work my way into it. Once the yep. muscles are kind of warmed up, then I, and so, so I do this all after. I was going to say, are you doing this pre or post? You're doing this all, post. It's all post. So yeah. uh, we used to run, like in high school, we would do like a lap of the track and then we would do our stretches and then we would go for our run. A lot of people I talk to now don't stretch anymore. I know. But I still want to. I know. So what I do is I run, it's only like um, a K. Um, just like to get warmed up miles to get warmed up and there's a there's a parking lot by the iron horse trail and i'll i'll stretch there there's some some railings where i can hold on and i can do my gas jock and you know my calf stretches your quads, hamstring, stretches, quads, hamstrings do what you need to and that sort of thing um and there's a curb so i can do those eccentric stretches for the gas jocks that the physio taught me after my achilles injury <laughs> yep so i still do those um and the toe walking and that kind of stuff and then i do my my actual run okay and I do the out and back and then, and then I finish off with, you know, the last, a um, little bit of stretching. Yeah. Yeah. So how at, long would you I say that? Home, oh, hmm? go ahead. Um, yeah. So, so the rolling, I just keep on going. I do all that rolling. I do calves and then, um, hamstrings and my, even my back, I like roll mm -hmm. on my back. Yep. And it, the funny thing is even doing those, um, and then I do my quads and my, hamstrings it bends do you IT run bend, IT yeah. as well yeah yep. yeah so when i'm doing those you're kind of doing planks yep right while you're doing it and you're I'm trying doing, to engage your core to like pull off. yourself yeah. up <laughs> so i'm doing this thing where i have um doing one it band i actually lifting the other leg off the floor so i'm really pressuring the one it band yep and then i'm holding with my hands like both I'm hands like, down remember those judo push-ups you ever done those where you have your hands and you're doing the Oh, you're like lunging into it? Yeah. So yeah, it's, that's yeah. what I'm, because I'm trying to work that bit of the IT band, working out that knot. So I really, I find that really helps. And then I have all the um, stretches I do normally just before bed that are, some of them are from, um, what's his name? Rodney Yee. It's, um, there's like an AM yoga and a PM yoga. We actually had the video cassette. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> <laughs> but nice. I still do some of the stretches. And then there's also some stretches that I learned. Uh, I actually worked at the Canadian Back Institute. So right after my undergrad, I started working at a place called Feet First, which was started by a podiatrist and a physical therapist. It was on Young Street near, um, like in North Toronto area. Okay. Um, and there was a couple of different locations in Toronto. Um, it's all gone now. It was in the, it was in the late 80s just when, you know, the stock market kind of plummeted. Um, but there was all these people starting new businesses thinking, wow, I'm really rich, you know, so that's yeah. kind of stuff. And, but anyway, the, the cool thing of that shop was um, there was PT, podiatrist, athletic therapist, phys ed majors and so on. It was on. all in one. Yeah. And then, yeah. so you walk in, it looks <laughs> like a fancy shoe store, but there's a treadmill with a video camera. And then we had a pretty good shoe wall. We had like Rockports and Mephistos and those kinds of high-end walking shoes. But then we had really good, at the time, Nike and Brooks and, and Asics oh, yeah. and so on. But yeah. they weren't anywhere. Like, those were the shoes at the time. It was like the Brooks Kinetic Wedge and shoes like that. Brooks is uh, starting sure. to make a bit of a comeback, though. 
Yeah, yeah. There's actually a couple of really good. Um, the Nike Brook Hyperion Elite Two is like the new one of the new super shoes. Um, and it's again another shoes I'd like to get, but <laughs> not enough shoes. Yeah, I know you're a, a big roller, <laughs> but did you say that some people are choosing not to stretch? Is that more of a choice, or is that just you know science? Oddly enough. Well, yeah. So there's there have been some articles published. Because they were trying to see does stretching increase your range of motion. Okay. But they were, I would say that they were trying to measure within session effects. So same okay. day. So if I stretch before and after, can I get demonstrate more increased range of motion? But I don't think it happens that way. For me, for an example, I chronically had tight hamstrings, tight, weak hamstrings. So in high school, I was trying to do the, the hamstring curl. Yeah, you, you're laying on your stomach and you're on your fronts and you're trying yeah. to like pull your legs up and your feet up. I'd be doing like 150 <laughs> pounds with my quads and 40 pounds with my hamstrings. Right? <laughs> so there's a problem there, right? A little bit so, of an imbalance. Yeah. So I mean, the difference is the quads are an anti-gravity muscle, so it has to be strong, right? The hamstrings yep. are just all they need to do is lift Support. the bottom part of your leg, right? <laughs> so it's not a, it doesn't have as much end and extend here, but it's all in lift unless mm -hmm. you're like a cyclist have typically have strong hamstrings because they pull they have they're the pulling with the... pulling through with the hamstrings and the glutes right yeah but in running a lot of people a lot of runners have really weak hamstrings and poor um i had hyperlordosis my like a sway back right? yeah, yeah but over the years i've gradually increased my hamstring strength and my hamstring flexibility and it's improved my comfort in my back and also i think my running mechanics yeah but it didn't happen in an hour <laughs> it happened yeah, in like a year <laughs> so i think that was the problem with so there are some articles out there that try to say that stretching isn't useful but you're you're like completely you say, opposite of that though yeah so i think and and even in the nike run club app and any of these youtubers that i talk you you hear you know i, I talk back and forth with them and stuff if you want to get out for your run the next day, then you better be stretching and rolling, you know, foam rolling consistently after your workout. Cause that's soreness, the tightness The I mean, they talk about the, um, you know, um, scar tissue going down like fiberglass, you know, it's as opposed to all the longitudinal fibers of muscle. They, mm -hmm. they were, so that's, again, it's, some of that is slang vernacular. Some of it is based on science, yeah, based on actual tissue, uh, you know, histology research. Um, but I find uh, over time I'm getting better flexibility. So for example, I was starting to feel like I was getting like runner's knee on the left side. It would click a little bit, especially sitting here doing mm -hmm. a WebEx or a Zoom call for, you know, two hours. Like my podiatry classes are three hours long. It's me sitting for three hours. Three hours, yeah. So you have to get up and, and we would say, okay, it's like union, you know, it's been an hour, time to get up and walk. You know, <laughs> I'll give you a 10 minute break. They and. Sometimes they call it a bio break, right? <laughs> yeah. Use washroom or whatever. Yeah. Get a, a coffee or whatever. <clears throat> um, but I was I was getting stiff. I would after sitting. If I go for a run and then I have to sit and do a, um, a webex or whatever, when I got up, I was like stiff. My leg was stiff. Yeah. So then I had to really concentrate on rolling. And um, Seth James Moore is one of the YouTubers I watch. He's he's like a marathon runner, ultra runner. He does who runs in Oregon. So he's doing these 14 or so these 1400 foot or 14,000 foot mountain runs. Like he just ran the, um, 
there was one in Florida. He just, I think it's called, was it Miami? It's a half marathon. Okay. It was in Florida recently. Um, and he came third and he went, wow. he's been to, he ran, he won the Pikes Peak Marathon, which is an up and up and down marathon. And he ran the uh, New York and uh, what else did he run? The, the, the Boston Amsterdam. most likely. Uh, and I think he's done Boston, but at the Amsterdam as well. He did that one in Amsterdam and the Netherlands. So anyway, he, he talks about rolling, not, you know, doing your stretches, not just warm up, not just after, but over the course of the day. So going back to yeah. the mat and stretching later, like an hour later, two hours mm-hmm. later. And Five I, hours later even. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it's really important if I want to sleep comfortably to do my stretches before bed. So one of the part of my bedroom routine, you know, cleaning the kitchen, garbage, whatever, is put out the yoga mat, get out my my. That's nice. That's, roll good. And, That's a really, and really good habit to get into. Yeah. And then, then I sleep really well. If I don't do it, if I'm saying too tired, I'm like, oh, I'm too tired to stretch. I'm just going to try to get to bed. <laughs> I'll lay there and I can't you don't think about relax, it. right? But if you actually say, okay, I'm going to give myself 10 minutes. I'm going to half, even 20 minutes. It ends up being half an hour. I'll go back to the living room, put out the yoga mat, get out my rolls. I have like these as well. Because I worked at Canadian Baxter Institute, I have these. I, I keep buying. This is actually a cervical roll for your okay. neck. Yep, yep. For when you're sleeping, but at least it keeps them, that. And there's also the lumbar rolls. Like the, have you ever heard of the McKenzie lumbar roll? It's about this big. When we worked at Canadian Back Institute, there was a version that had a belt you could wear it around. So you're going to the gym, and you've got this little. It looks like a fanny pack, but it's designed to keep your to give you the lumbar support that you have in these chairs now. Okay. Because like okay. if you look at the you know the Universal or um, a Nautilus or these different weight machines. Yep. There, the seats are usually straight. There's a bit of a, there's a bit of a round bump at the back end now. Yeah. Now, now it does, but originally they were just like a straight, you know, um, like this shape. Um, Yeah. So we, all the patients, we walking around with these McKenzie rolls strapped around their waist, but I found (laughs) those ones too big. They would kind of push me out of the chair and they were too stiff. There were, sometimes it was a soft one and a firm one, but I find these are, they're really, they're cervical rolls. They're meant for the neck. They're pretty soft. And I actually use three of these. I have one for my lumbar. I have one in my thorax area to sort okay. of try to get a stretch through the, you know, the upper back. And then I have the neck support. And that's where I do like the knees to chest and the hamstring stretch and, and then um, um, say crunches and, and those have you do those hip swivel ones with your knees flexed? Yep, 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 yep. I've yeah, seen those. You know what I mean? And then the, kind of keeping the, them together, but moving them from side to side. And then there's the glute and ham stretch, which is some people call it the, the figure four stretch, where you do like the your leg yep. bent like this and the other one straight and you pull it up. So I do all those with this. And then I do all the prone exercises like sloppy push ups and the, the, it's like a quad stretch and then chest raise and leg raise and all those. And then this. You'll try to do all that before sleep? Yeah. Oh, so it's like wild. 20 minutes. It's like wild. 20 minutes. Um, cause it's, you're doing, um, the side raises. I just do five of each, but the sloppy pushups, I do about 10. And then I do a couple of these, um, cobras or the modified okay. yep. cobras. Yeah. And then, and then I feel like, oh. and I'll, sometimes <laughs> I'll fall asleep on the mat. So I wake up in the <laughs> living room like an hour later. Oh no, I did it again. Right. But it feels so good. I'll stagger to bed and then go and then sleep really well. Or sometimes I'll do them in bed, but it's, you know, just disturbing for Linda. She's trying to sleep in the, I'm doing all those exercises. So it's better for me to go into the living room and, and, and do it and work on technique and not worry about waking her up. And, and so you find I'm that, that 
you find that that completely increases your sleep significantly? Oh, yeah. Like to I, what degree? Like, or not at all? Or I sleep more comfortably. I can yeah. fall asleep more easily because part of it is, again, you're doing that. It's kind of meditative. You're, you're just thinking about, you know, one of the big things in meditation is, which I've gotten into, is mindfulness of breathing. So just paying yes. attention. Think to about your breath. breath. Breathing in, breathing out. And similarly, this is uh, mindfulness of body. So you're thinking about, where am I tight? Like I can feel tightness in my shoulder blades or in my low back or my hamstrings or whatever. Yeah. So you're really tuning into how your body feels yeah. and then you can work on those particular, oh, like I'm really tight. Like even right now I can think about, oh, I'm tight in my, I can do this stretch for um, the sort of thoracic spine, you know, where I, I realize I'm hunching over the keyboard. I can yeah. adjust my keyboard and I can do some chin tucks and, and so on and work on on that so i and then, and then the other thing is that in the morning i wake up and i realize i'm happy i stretched because i <laughs> it's easier because you out. feel the benefit of it the next day for sure yeah you really do you've slept well you've yep. stretched so the range of motion is a maintenance thing for me but i'm gradually improving over time so <clears throat> you mentioned uh mindfulness mm -hmm. of breathing is there something that you try to practice before mm -hmm. you go to sleep because there's something that i actually started doing more recently as well myself Mm -hmm. um, when I'm in bed. So I have this whole practice about how I go to sleep now. It's like a 20 minute process and five minutes before I go to sleep, I'm in my bed, eyes closed and my room is like freezing cold. I'm we're in Toronto, Canada right now. I think it's like minus 10 degrees right now. So it's, it's pretty cold. Wow. But the one thing that I do feel is I actually leave my window open and I get that cold air coming into my room. Wow. And what I try to do is, inhale for maybe 15, 20 seconds, as slow as I possibly can to bring it to like completely fill up my lungs. Mm -hmm. And then with that same time, also exhale and release. So I try to practice that maybe about five times before I go to sleep. I've been doing that for about two weeks right now. And just like you said, that mindfulness before you fall asleep, it is increased all the way up and it just allows me to like actually fall asleep. But I think it helps me breathe throughout the middle of the night to make sure that I'm getting the proper oxygen and make sure I'm actually using my nose, not breathing through my mouth. Right. Yeah. It's great. It's kind of a rehearsal, right? It is. It so is. you remind yourself how it should feel. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's a great, it's a great cue for when you're sleeping, you sort of ease your way into it and you try to maintain that sensation, that experience. Yeah. That's yeah. really great. Um, I use, I have the, you know, the Apple watch and there's a little um, breathe app on there. Yeah, and yeah. periodically during the day, I don't know whether it's based on if I, it can tell that my heart rate is doing something <laughs> funny, but it'll yeah. remind you, it'll beep and it'll say, okay, uh, here's a chance to go and do a minute. So it'll give you nice. a minute and it, you, it, you just says, sit there and just relax and breathe naturally. Don't think and of anything. After, yeah. And then after that, it'll tell you, it'll prompt you to breathe in and then breathe out. And the, the watch actually vibrates. So if I'm doing it when I'm in bed, you can hear it vibrating against the pillow. <laughs> so I try not to do it because again, that's going to distract Linda or whatever, but um, it happens during the day too. So it'll, it'll remind you just like it's prompts you. Okay. It's been an hour time to get up and walk around and then, yeah, you did it. You got up and walked around. Way to go. <laughs> you know, and the same thing for the breathing, it, it keeps track of how many of these one minute bouts. And even after one minute, it'll say, okay, that was good. You want to do another one? And, uh, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. It just says, um, of course, good job. Keep it going. <laughs> yeah. Do another one if you'd like. Yeah. And then, in, you know, yesterday I did way over my, um, because I ran that, that 10 by 400 plus the 
mile. That was yesterday, right? Right, yesterday. Um, and then this morning when I woke up, it said, oh, yesterday you did really good. What are you going to do today? <laughs> you know, I mean, again, I'm, I'm adding personality to it, but, but it sort of says, you know, what's, what's your goal, what are your goals today and what do you plan? And this is, this is how many steps you did, how many hours you spent standing, how many, you know, how many steps you did, how many, how many hours, how many minutes of exercise, how many minutes of uh, movement, you know? Yeah. So as techie as you are, is that your go-to? So I know you are techie for work. Is your Nike watch your go-to for fitness tech or is there anything else that you use? Yeah. So I used to, even in, what did I have in high school? I think even in high school, I had a. The polar. Uh, the polar when I, yeah. When I first had the polar heart monitor, they yeah. were really, do you remember those watches? They were really big and yep. rectangular. Yep. And they the were like a gray like, plasticky yeah. and they were like really bulky. Yeah. The watch band was like someone had never seen what a watch band was supposed to look like. And they'd made it, you know, you know what I mean? Somewhat they mainstream, were, yeah. It had it had really big notches. So I had that and the, the chest strap. The original one was had a rubber on the front and elastic. And yeah. then some of them had all plastic. And I had several versions of the Polar Heart Monitor. And then when Fitbit came out, um, oh, I, I think while I was still in Toronto, so probably when I was working at National, maybe during uh, I'm pretty sure it was the national days because I was pretty sure I remember you either trying with the polar heart rate or if you're trying something else at that time. Yeah. So Nike had come out with this little pod that went in underneath the, yes, the, Nike of the Plus. Shoe. It was a little plastic disc thing. Yep, the Nike so Plus. I had, yeah, I had one of those. Yeah. And that's what got me into the Nike Plus app. <clears throat> um, but I had um, an Android phone at the time. Hmm. Let's see how it worked. And then... Um, I think oh, I it would know. just log one, all the data overnight yeah. or something like that, right? So I, I used to have, um, I had that Nike app on my phone. How did it work? I had a Palm Trio at one point too with those um, rocker earphones that had little a little headband at the back. Okay. And then I was, so I'd be listening to my music while I ran. But if the phone rang, because I was using a third-party app, the phone would crash and I would lose my run. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was still brand new. I mean, no one, none of it was. It was technology now like yeah. now it's commonplace, but yeah, back then it, it was, was just new. Cobbled together by you know I, the phone was from Palm, and the earphones were from um, Motorola, okay. and the f- software was from Nike some or... third party guy, right? Plus Nike is was going on, right? Yeah. So if the phone rang while I was listening <laughs> to music while tracking, it would just crash and I would lose everything. So I would have to call them back and. You know, because I the the fall would get the phone would get um, the call would drop, but it would be so I'd have to call them back or or wait and you know do it later. Yeah. But then I got the um, the Nike Plus app on a on an Android phone, and it worked pretty well. But but then when when the Apple the Apple Watch came out by version three, I said, okay, here's the chance if I buy the Apple Watch, then I have to buy the iPhone. <laughs> because then because it works together right yeah yeah you know i mean um, i don't know if you had to but i think you just wanted to at that point because oh we had a, there was a because i worked for seminar university is um is um an affiliate of sutter health so we have all these big health uh, management organizations in the u.s um so sutter health has um part of the employee health feature was this thing with a fitbit they gave you a deal on a fitbit Okay. And then you could link to the website and it would track your walks and your runs. So it okay. would give you, and you would get incentives. So at the end of the year, 
you get like a, a gap a gift card for a hundred dollars. If nice. you reach a certain number of walks steps. and runs and steps and all this nice. kind of thing. Nice. So that was really nice. And I, I liked it a lot, but again, sometimes I'd be running along and it was like, again, the first generation Fitbit. So it was still a little, you know, <laughs> it wasn't under perfect. development, right? It's not quite perfect. It's, it's, it's never perfect. Even now this, I still had a problem with a run two days ago um, because it didn't, it didn't. Distance? Um, or it didn't well, track was, like uh, the map. Didn't, it didn't, it, it didn't let me apply the workout to my plan. Mm. Like I can, okay. I can start a run on my, on my watch and then wait for it to link to the phone when I get home. Or I can start the run on my phone and use the watch to kind of just read all the data. Rate. Yeah. Yep. So these are linked together, right? They're synced. But if I, if I want to do a workout according to my fitness, my plan, I need to invoke, I can start the, the run on the, on the phone. And then I can put it away and my heart rate and so on shows up on my watch. Yep. So I don't need to be constantly looking at my phone. Of course. Um, but the problem was at the end of that run, I stopped it on my, my watch. <laughs> and so that when I went to my phone, the mileage showed up, but it wouldn't let me apply it to my plan. Oh my goodness. So it looked like I hadn't done the workout. I'd run more than I was supposed to, but it didn't count as a little green check mark on my plan. Like I you did, you know, are you is, still allowed to go back and edit it at least or no? Sometimes it lets you apply, <laughs> even if you've started it on the watch. But um, so I actually talked to them on uh, over the weekend on the, um, the help chat and they tried a few things with me and, and it didn't work. So they said, well, you can try calling the um, support. And they're usually really good because they'll actually get back to me. Like if they can't solve the problem right away, they'll say, we'll let you know. And they'll email me and then they'll give me a, like a fix. So this okay. is over, That's you know, we've been, I've been doing this That's for, good. you know, five years. Um, with the Nike Plus app, and they're really great because they're constantly trying to make it a good a good app, and um, so I I like it because it's nice. I mean, I don't have a coach, but I have this coach on an app, right? It's yeah. on an app, and and so it's kind of cool. Like um, Mo Farah, yeah. you know, this famous runner, the other day when he he said uh, something like, uh oh man, you made me feel lazy. Now I'm going to have to go for a run. You see what you did there? You know, so it's kind of fun. It's just a recording, you know it, but it it's a human voice and it does give you that little bit of gratitude. A little bit of a, you know? um, yeah. yeah, so it's nice, especially if you're running by yourself. Like running with a team, you have your peers and stuff like that, um, but it's nice. And um, so... Isn't Mo Farah now a Skechers guy? I thought he was, I thought he left Nike. I don't know because there's still a recording. It's maybe okay, it's so. an old one. And there's also these Nike uh, coaches. So there's different ones, one from Seattle, one from New York. And so they have little sound bites. There's even sometimes um, Elliot Kipchoge comes on, just says a few things, you know, or, or some of these runners, some of the, there's some, some of the famous female runners as well um, come on and say, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, better hit the foam roller because I want to see you out there tomorrow. <laughs> right. So even Nike is reinforcing the concept of recovery and rolling after getting the recovery in. Nice. So I find that really, really helpful. So that's good. Yeah, I had, the Fitbit was pretty good. And Linda has a Fitbit she really likes because she, the thing she likes about it is she doesn't have to tell it what she's doing. It does a pretty good job. So it knows when she's on our elliptical, like over because of COVID, uh, the, we live in an apartment complex and um, there was a really nice gym with two ellipticals, three treadmills, um, a rowing machine, two recumbent bikes, and then a whole weight room. Okay. 
Um, but it's closed because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So we waited and, you know, went for walks and I was running, but we Linda wasn't finally, doing anything, I guess, really. Right. Well, she was, she was walking that she goes out for walks twice a day. So like a, a mile and a half. And she uh, wasn't, she wasn't able to do the elliptical. She wasn't being, yeah, she wasn't yeah. able to use a facility. That's right. So we actually yeah. broke down and bought an elliptical. So we have nice. one in our living room. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's a pretty nice one. It's a soul. Um, I don't know if you know that brand, but it's, heard it has it. A, it's, it's a really good elliptical. You can change the incline. You can change the angle of the foot treadles. Nice. And there's like a, a place where you can put your iPad or your phone and there's a fan and all this sort of thing. Nice. So it's pretty nice. And it just goes off. It's off on the side of the living room. And you can watch TV because we can, the TV is on a, a mount. You can turn it. Just turn Nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. And uh, so we, um, and so when she goes for a walk right away, it figures out that she's walking. Yeah. And then when she good. gets an elliptical, it recognizes that she's on an elliptical because of the movement. And if you were on a treadmill, it would, it would be able to tell based on the accelerations, the pattern, the sort of profile. Um, but when I still had my Fitbit. Um, you had to tell it everything. It, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> uh, it would, with a Fitbit, I took the BART. Um, there's a, like the subway train. It's called the Bay Area Rapid Transit. It's called the BART. And I got on the BART and it's about a 20 minute ride. And when I got off the BART, it said, that's good. You just did a 20, you know, half an hour of mountain biking. <laughs> no, I was just standing like this and rocking back and forth in the train, you know, but it thought I was mountain biking because of the, maybe the, the movement or yeah, maybe. So it's not a perfect system, but, but with the Nike one, um, there's, um, within the Apple watch, there's an app where you can tell it, okay, now I'm going to walk. And after a while, it'll tell you, oh, are you walking or running? And then, and if it says, you know, you can say, yes, I'm running and it'll continue, but you will have lost some of that data mm. from before. Like yeah. it might get, it'll get the activity, but it wasn't tracking your heart rate, for example. Okay. Um, but, but if you deliberately start the run with either the, apple app or with the nike run app then it starts recording right away yeah um, so I, I like to do that and uh, that and that's a funny thing too with the nike run app it's good for walking sorry good for running and it's fine for running on the treadmill and there's the psyche the nike training club app but yep. it doesn't know what to do with um the elliptical there's no <laughs> that's not i keep asking why isn't there uh, you know why aren't you logging a workout? Yeah, why? Can I, so I'm I'm not inclined to do the elliptical. So I'll I probably use it only a couple times a month, mm. right? Maybe every other week I might go on the elliptical if it's raining and I I've done enough of my other exercises. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I wish that I know that's not their main focus, but I I sort of would like it if they added of course elliptical as a choice, you know, because they do have yeah. they've got a, a couple of really nice um tra treadmill workouts so they'll say you know you're running on the treadmill okay here comes the hill change it to so many degrees yeah you know and increase it your level to whatever and so okay i meet you at the bottom of the hill over there you know and, and so it's you can sort of visualize it's over 10 but it's something it's rather it's better than just sitting down on the, on the treadmill and just, and just going out of steady state yeah, yeah yeah so it's that's good uh, that's i good. like those it's, it's engaging you know that's good um, that's a good thing that, you know, fitness tech, I think is there and it's evolved now over the last 10 years or so to the point where it's able to help us, you know, get motivated. So I know this year of COVID has been just kind of crazy for everybody. And you've somehow still kept your ways of running very frequently. So how do you still keep motivated over the, you know, this closures and the lockdowns and the stay at home orders? How do you find yourself, you know, 
motivating yourself to get out there and keep running? Like, are there things that you practice? Like, yeah. So, um, I guess have actually having this schedule, like a weekly and monthly schedule from this actual plan, Nike plan helps me because I can sort of say, Oh, I did my long run or I did my, like my yesterday was my speed run. Yeah. The week, the day before was just like a, they call it endurance run, but it was a shorter run. I ended up doing about four miles. Okay. And then there's a long run usually on Saturday or Sunday. Um, and then in fall of 2019, when I was, when we were still going to work, like I would have to wake up early in the morning because I want to be at the lab by nine. Of class. There's certain things you want to do. You right. want to run, get your workout in. Yeah. Shower. So I would end up having to wake up. So Linda was commuting. She works um, down in Silicon Valley and she would take the bus. There was a bus from the company. So she would drive to the next town just south of us, like a short drive, like 10 minutes. She would get on this commuter bus and, and go, go down to Silicon Valley. She would arrive early and then she would get home at 6, 630 exhausted. And so I wouldn't be able to work out in the evening. So I was waking up when she rolled out of bed to go for this bus ride to work. I would kick myself out of bed and go for my run. And it was sometimes it was still dark and I was wearing the headlight and I have shoe lights <laughs> and I'm running in the cold and whatever. But now I just, I wake up, wake up when I have to. And then I squeeze my workout usually in the middle of the afternoon. Okay. So that's kind of how I, that's kind of a luxury I have now, but certain, so certain afternoons I have a meeting um, with the plan that I have, there's two days off. So you actually don't have a workout. So I'll just like, for example, I didn't know whether we were supposed to be doing this, you know, 1 PM your time or 1 PM my time. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, Wednesday's going to be the, my, my, um, rest day. Yes. And if I do, if I, if I have time, then maybe I'll do that indoor workout or if the weather's good, I'll, I'll do a short run. Um, so that's kind of how I do it. I just, I, for now, so you're, you're more fuel based, I guess, then you're not, you're not structured into saying, you know, this is going to be my rest day, or I'm going to have this whole day completely off. You might actually still go for an active run today. Like that might be your rest. Yeah, day. I guess it's the flexibility. So before my, my, my strategy, my discipline was that roll out of bed and hit the road by six, you know, so I can get to the lab by nine. You know what I mean? So that was kind of my routine. If I, and if I, if I didn't get to bed early enough, maybe I'm trying to finish something. If I wake up and I realize I haven't had enough sleep, it's just not healthy for me to go out and run. So that's going to be my rest day and I need to get rested for the next day. So, and the other thing too, is sometimes I have all these meetings and classes on a certain day and I have to say, okay, that's where I have to be flexible and I'm not going to get a workout in. I'll, I'll stretch when I can, but I'm not, I don't have time to go out and dedicate an hour to a run and warm up and warm down and so on yeah so that's that's been my way of being flexible to keep going to keep doing it but not expect to squeeze in a workout when it's really probably just not, not necessary healthy. yeah yeah I, I just i i need to give so a lot of people around my age i'm 58 now who are still running they'll run every other day so you give your body a chance to rest so you get out and do a really long run but then the next day, just stretch and roll and, and don't actually run. Maybe do yeah. some core stuff. Active recovery. Yeah. But I, I've been over the last couple of months because I've been trying to get my mileage up. So I got to the point where for me, 20 miles a week is pretty high. Whereas a lot of these marathon runners are running like 100 miles a week. Of I'm never going to do that. <laughs> but, but for me, 10 miles a week is pretty good. 20 miles a week is 
that's probably where I can, that's probably the limit. Like around 20 miles a week, I'm actually doing, you know, an eight mile run, a couple of fours and it's, a, and then a speed run. That's, that's enough. That's plenty. You know? Yeah. And so it's good for you, man. It's really good. for Yeah. You. It's, it's working out. And, and then, and just saying, you know, maybe today I'll just go for a walk with Linda because she does these twice a day. She, she plans it out and, and she has meetings and so on and certain projects she's working on. And she's okay, 11 o'clock. I'm going to go for my, my walk before we have to have, make lunch. And then she, in the middle of the afternoon, she goes for a second one, like two 30 or three o'clock. And I'll try to go with her on a couple of those. One, usually one or it's good for you. One of them, uh, but I, I don't do it as much as I should. I should do like more time on feet kind of thing, more actual just walks. Yeah. I think that would help too. No, but, but I think that's good. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's good that you're still doing 20 miles. Cause to be honest, um, since the days that I've seen you at national, my running has went from, you know, maybe 10 or 15 kilometers to zero. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm down hard, to zero. Yeah. We're doing a lot more training, like in the gym and stuff. Or at home, you're doing, I saw you doing the rowing machine. Yeah. So I, uh, I got rid of my treadmill and uh, ended up investing in a rower and just, I'm falling in love with it. I'm going, I'm deep diving into the world of rowing. Wow. Um, but also at the same time, I've had some injuries before. I've had yeah. some meniscus issues in my left knee. So I'm just trying to prevent all of that pounding, you know? Yeah, that's the thing with the elliptical. I liked it because it was running. And frankly, it was nice to be able to log miles on the Nike Run Club app because it was acknowledged as, and then there were these entertaining actual programs with dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, but when people start running on the treadmill, quite often they'll start with the belt speed too high and it's actually pulling the leg back rather than you pushing you back pulling the leg. leg. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's when you're getting this, I feel you're getting this little stretch on the patellar ligament between the patella and the tibial tuberosity. The, it's getting stretched every time. Um, so you're getting that repeated trauma. If, if you've, if you've chosen a belt speed, that's too high yeah. for the, your actual the treadmill. Yeah, so I, I feel like the cue needs to be that you're you feel yourself pushing back on the belt just like you would on the ground that you're actually clawing back on the ground. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of a I find that a useful cue. Like I, I think these cues are, I find them really useful. I learned the idea from um, so physical therapy at SMU. They have they run a couple of clinics and they do them the, some of the sports medicine clinics in the Mark and the Motion Analysis Research Center. So they use our treadmill, and I'm just there running the treadmill essentially, you know, for them and, and the profs come in and teach different running um, coaching techniques. So they'll, okay. they'll be working with an athlete and it's, it's just somebody in the class who is a runner and maybe has an injury or has um, some aches and pains. And then they have, they do, they use one of these um, iPad apps. There's one called huddle. Um, there's one called Silicon coach and there's a few others. And you can get them on for your phone as well. And then you can just videotape the person, uh, like a side view or yep. a back view. And in the, in the app on your phone, you can draw a line down the thigh, down the leg, down the foot. And then okay. they, the app will give you estimates of ankle, ankle, knee, angle, hip, angle, things like that. Interesting. And so they teach the students how to use these things and then how to apply it, apply it, how to give the, the runner these cues to improve their running technique. For an example, that, Leaning with a flex, leading with a flex knee is one of their cues to avoid. So you'll see it quite often in women that when they're running, they'll kind of sweep their foot and yep. they'll end up yep. with medial knee pain because yep. they're, they're actually doing um, knee valgus yes. <laughs> as they sweep around. So if they, if they flex with 
if they lead with a flex knee, then that's how they're going to get their foot clearance. Sure. And they won't have to sweep. And the other thing is if they vault a bit on the other leg, that's another way to elevate the, the hip so Got that it. they don't to give it more like travel. Trip. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So those, those are the kind of cues that I've picked up on um, from that. And I use those cues for myself, but also I find them useful um, talking to other people. Cool. Yeah, uh, so. I, I know we also uh, kind of sculpted the time. So I'm looking at it. Are you tight on time? I, uh, I'm good. Are you I'm, sure? I'm, I'm kind of open today. Yeah. Are you positive? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, cool. I just didn't know. I just yeah, didn't know. Sure, we can get going, yeah. Um, yeah, so we talked about uh, a bit about footwear. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I kind of wanted to talk specifically about feet. And we're in the world of running, in the world of feet. Um, what are some of the more common issues, I guess, that you'd notice between pronation, supination, or a neutral foot? Are there anything specific that you can say for either pronation that someone can have as a personal cue to say, you know what, I actually might pronate. I might need something to help me with my footwear. Like, how can you identify one foot versus the other? Okay. So um, you can simply uh, look down on your feet. That's probably the easiest way. Some people um, think they can, but you know, it's not the easiest for some people sometimes. Or you can stand sideways if you have a full length mirror. Like for an example, in our front hall, we have mirrors on the, on the front closet, you know, um, yep. and actually the bathroom, I guess, or, or the, the closet here, I have a full length mirror. Um, so you can stand and look at one, the arch of one foot or the other. Okay. Um, another thing is to have someone watch you but it's hard to watch because it's happening so quickly. Of course. So you can use your, uh, do slow motion on your phone and look at how the person's foot is moving. Are they, as they're walking or running, are they, do they maintain an arch or do you see their foot collapsing? Collapsing. Yeah. So I have some videos of, um, I don't know if you want to, if you want me to show it on the screen. Sure. It's up to you. A couple of videos. It's up to you. Um, I'll try to find that. Let me see. It's way to do I'm going to minimize this. No problem. And then I'm going to. There. Okay. So this is part of um, a three hour <laughs> class that I do for podiatry. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to play it like this. Does that work? Let's see. There. Good. So this is. Um, a teenage girl with just mildly pronated feet. Mm-hmm. And then after that is uh, somebody with um, pronounced pronation. So the, the things that, uh, and I have these cues here for the audience, but also for me to remember to say them, calcaneal valgus, which means that if you look at the, think about a long axis, can you see my cursor? Yep, yep, I can see yeah, it. Yeah. So you can see the calf muscle. You think about the, down the back of the middle of the calf. A straight line, and you can see the sort of kind of a way that Achilles bends towards the outside, the sort of lateral bending. Yep. And so you can visualize the calcaneus, the heel bone, is kind of bent out. Yeah. We it's call it calcaneal valgus. Yeah. It's like this twist that way. And then the other thing you can see if you look at it, you can sort of see fifth and fourth toes here. Kind of spreading out. Yeah. So in yeah. podiatry, the slang is too many toes sign. It's not like they have six toes. It's just you can <laughs> see too many of them on the lateral side. Yeah. Right. You can see the, the medial ankle bone and the lateral ankle bone is kind of tucked in. Right. Yep. So he's kind it. of collapsed a little bit. Yep. You can sort of see when I was little, I used to think I had an extra ankle bone. It was actually the navicular. There's a bone down on the bottom of the foot. 
that actually sticks out um, right here. And that is a good landmark for when the foot is overpronated. Got it. So I'm going to play this video. And you can see here kind of teetering. She's like a little bit of a wobble. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll go back to her. Yeah. Cause and I think that other one was the uh, over exaggeration of it. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's, she's kind of unstable because her foot is not, she doesn't have the kind of, so I actually don't have a video of, of a rectus neutral foot, but she is over pronated. You can see her pivoting. Yep. Right. As she rolls on the ball of her foot. You can definitely see that wiggle and that little bit of a roll there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really prominent thing there. And you can see her, she's doing that sweeping that I was talking about too, to clear that foot. She sweeps yep. her toes around. See, see that? Yep. Especially on the it's right not, side. It's, it's not linear. You can definitely see her kind of scooping around a little bit. Yeah, she's doing this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, part of it is that she's not, she doesn't She's also not lifting enough. her leg completely either, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's not vaulting enough on the left foot. So her, her right foot, when she goes to swing, it's not elevated enough. Yep. Right. There's not enough. There's not enough time, basically, for her to hit. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. Yeah. It's timing. Um, so then the other person. This is a person who's really overpronated. So I'll yeah. pause it and then go back. So you can see. He can't too even many see. Toes. Right. Too many toes signed, definitely. And really, this is the medial ankle bone and also the navicular underneath it. Almost navicular is almost on the ground. Like so it's just really pronated. Yeah. You can see the heel is really bowing as well. Yeah, and then this is really... this is definitely the over exaggeration because I don't know if I've could... in my time of national sports I don't think I've ever seen feet like that. And you can see how much how towed out he is. Yeah, how much sweeping he doesn't have. He can't vault. He's not really getting heel off. Normally, you see towards, you know, I'm talking about in running them up on the balls of my feet, but in even in walking, the heel strike. You're going to foot flat and then you heel off and then you put toe off, right? Yeah. Whereas he just, um, he doesn't He's really scooping get. scooping in. Yeah, he doesn't really get that heel off. He doesn't have the strength and the foot is so flexible. It's not this rigid lever. It's just really flexible. So he ends up pulling his full, whole foot off. And yeah. then again, because of that, he's doing even more of that sweeping. So that's a really uh, pronounced example. So those are the things we look for is this forefoot abduction, which is that the foot is pointed outward. Mm -hmm. It's not at the hips. It's actually the foot, um, what they call midfoot breaker. It's hypermobile in the midfoot here. Okay. So that's that. And then that calcaneal valgus that where the heels are actually out. I always used to be known that. for, uh, I always used to be known for that. So not necessarily video number two, but for number one, um, I was always a duck foot kind of guy. So my feet would always be, pointed outwards you can definitely see too many toes like you said but i was i used to be that big over pronation person mm -hmm. um what ended up happening with me was at a very early age i actually was recommended to get into insoles and that's actually kind of what i wanted to ask you about because orthotics are something that i live by daily me too. and you know what some people kind of joke about orthotics i think orthotics are absolutely necessary for as a very slim percentage of the population. I wouldn't say it's for everybody, but I think to some degree, everyone needs help. Like it's not as easy as I'm going to be able to develop my foot and my gait and my step and my arch every single day. It's some people need help. Like they're on their feet for eight or nine hours a day. Sometimes they need to have orthotics all day long. Yeah. Is that something so, you, is that like something you believe in or is that, my, am I just yeah, going my over personal the top experience? No, I think um, for me, uh, my personal experience is that it, 
it's a much better. So uh, when I was, I mean, going, growing up, I wore whatever shoes. I mean, I don't know if you remember the North stars, that was what we had for running shoes. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in, in um, high school, casually, people would wear deck shoes, even university, we were wearing deck shoes, desert boots. These are all very unstructured. They're leather, but they're giving no support. Yeah. Nothing, um, nothing just, under the foot. Yeah. Um, in high school, when I started running track, um, Mr. Colucci was our track coach as well as the football coach. Um, that So Rob Colucci from the store, right? Yeah, I, I totally forgot about that link. I totally <laughs> forgot about that so, link. <laughs> so that was that my first day. Someone said, Colucci, come and meet this new guy. And I said, Colucci, I haven't heard that name since high school. My high school. <laughs> and he said, yeah, that's my dad. So no way. That's What is the chances? I totally so anyway, forgot about that link. Yeah. So um I was hanging around and talking to him in his office and he had some old football pads and I said, can I have those? And I actually cut out little arch supports out of old football pads, like part of, you know, the way they break, I don't know, they break apart. I'm not a football player, but they were, he had some and they were just off to the side and on a chair or something. And I cut out and I started making insoles, you know, and it it helped. I mean, the old Nikes used to have a little, arch cookie with a little two-sided tape that you could put in underneath the insole. Do you remember those? I don't know. No, that I don't remember. So it would be like the regular insole, but there would be a little extra bit of foam that you could put in the shoe and it would be in the box with the shoes when you bought them. Okay. Um, and so um, this was just before that even existed, but, uh, and so that gave me some problems, so, uh, some support. So, cause I was getting plantar fasciitis back then Everybody was getting shin splints. That's when we first had those um, Nike waffle trainer, the blue and yellow ones. That was the yep. first, you know, there was the Cortez and then there was the waffle trainer was. Wow. The Cortez. Right. That so shoe makes a comeback again, once right? in a while. Yeah. yeah that shoe makes now. a comeback. Yeah. So um, it was in some movie recently. The guy, somebody in the movie was wearing the Cortez and that was like, the, what movie was it recently? Just saw it recently. But uh, anyway, um, those waffle trainers. So what happened was our high school track coach, cross-country coach contacted some guy. He showed up with a station wagon full of these shoes and the whole team bought the waffle trainer. <laughs> and one, that seems to, one, that seems to be how the industry starts all the time. Someone yeah. ends up showing up with a, a truck full of something and there you go. That's how it gets yeah. started. Where there's one girl who got, who wanted to save money. She bought the Roadrunner, which is a less expensive version of the shoe. And she ended up not getting rid of her shin splints. And then like a month later, she ended up buying waffle trainers like the rest of us. <laughs> Because otherwise, it was like a normal thing. At the end of a run, get out the Dixie cup full of ice and just ice your shins because everybody had shin splints. Yeah. But yeah, so that was, and that was when there was only really one shoe. Remember, there was one guy who had the wall, uh, Villanova, which was an extra f- wider, like flared outsole and midsole. Okay. And they're actually coming back to that now, the, um, the React Infinity run and now the, oh, I don't have it here. Okay. The New Balance. Um, oh, yeah, here it is. 1080, the, the 1080. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the flared outsole, right? To give you more stability without being too aggressive like the Asics, it's got a wider base. Yep. So this is, again, good for a neutral runner, but someone who's who does have some pronation problems, they do wrap the, the midsole up around the upper a little bit. Yep. Um, and it doesn't feel any stiffer, but the only thing that's stiffer is they have a bit more of the rubber of the outsole on the medial side, whereas it's just midsole here. So it does, it's just a really gentle way of giving you some more of that medial stability. Interesting. So those, so there's still, there still is that concept of 
the overpronator does better in the straight lasted shoe um, with the medial stability, mm-hmm. the heel counter, and then the higher expression. So I'll show you just to get back to the videos. The other end of the spectrum, this this guy here, this is from um, Kevin Kirby is a, a podiatrist in the Bay Area and he actually teaches sometimes at uh, San Mira. And I just, um, this is the easiest way that I found. He has a YouTube channel, by the way, Kevin Kirby. Okay. And um, this is a common thing to do um, in podiatry. They do what's called bisecting the calcaneus. So, so I don't know if you can see it, but there's a little sharpie mark. Yeah. So you can see the angle of his heel and you can see already that he's um, in calcaneal varus. So his heels are turned inwards and you can see, it's hard to see his Achilles tendon, but if I play the video. But it's still rounding in the opposite direction. Yeah, of yeah. the other ones, yeah. So you can see if I stop it here, as it catches the light, you can see his Achilles. I'll go back. I think it's even more pronounced on the right foot. I mean, I'm looking at the yeah. left, but I can even see it on the right foot. On the right foot, the way the Achilles catches the light here, you can see how the heel is turned inward yeah, like that. And then if as he lifts his foot, you can see how hollowed out his arches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Much more so pronounced than the other yeah. side. So I find this quite useful. So you can see how I, I just recorded this one, these two videos over here with my iPhone, and I'm sure someone did that as well. So in the clinical setting, of course, oops, sorry, that's the next. The clinical setting, people shouldn't be recording, clinicians shouldn't be recording patients or clients on their own phones. Of course. What I encourage would be maybe an iPad or an Android tablet or whatever that's password protected and encrypted. Yeah. So because of, you know, <laughs> privacy clients and, you know, electronic health records. Yes. And all that sort of thing. But I find it a really useful tool because it's hard to watch somebody visually just with your eyeballs as they walk down the hall. Mm-hmm. But if you record it, you can do what I'm doing here and, and freeze frame mm, and, it's slow and look it over multiple times. So this is something that I would encourage people to do if they're trying to figure out what their foot type is. Yeah. I think it's actually a really good exercise because again, it's not something that not a lot of us actually think about doing. Um, Who would ever think about just taking out their cell phone and actually try to record their feet and then walking a couple of steps? No, I don't think anyone would ever think about that. So that's a really useful tool. Uh, We encourage the podiatry students to consider doing something like this once they're in practice. So in the, in a clinic, they could, so the problem is he's walking on carpet right now, but if he was walking on a tile floor or like the floor I show over in this instance here, Um, I've seen places where they actually put a tape measure along the wall so you can get a sense of step length. Okay. A sense of, um, you can do things like walking speed, cadence and step length and things like that. But the other thing that's nice for this is if you're trying to communicate to your, your patient or customer client, whatever your, your athlete, you can show them themselves because, um, I've had even um, podiatrists will say, he thinks he's a forefoot striker, but he's really a heel striker. Mm-hmm. Or he's forefoot striking some of the time, but he's also heel striking. A runner sometimes over the even a 10K, they'll start heel striking in certain situations. Yeah. So if you have a recording, then you can say, this is what you look like. You know, yeah. like um, I've been told my voice is really deep. It doesn't sound, it sounds normal in my head, <laughs> but if I hear a recording of myself, I think, oh, whatever. I just sound like, rrr, 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 rrr. Right? but the same thing with, um, this really Same thing with feet. Like he might even think he's just a heel striker, but you know what? Maybe not. Maybe he's more of a forefoot striker, like you said, right? And then get a sense of, of how he's moving. And then you get, I think, more buy-in. They recognize, they understand what you're saying. Yeah. And they can see it with their own eyes that, that you're, you're not just making stuff up. 
but they can also use this and come back. So if, if, uh, if it's something that you could modify with exercise or with orthotics or different footwear, then you can see. So that's something we used to do at Feet First is we would get people up on the treadmill and say, here, try them in the, you know, those ASIC shoes with, with cloud names like Cumulus and- um, Yep, Nimbus. Nimbus, yeah. yeah. Those Nimbus shoes is actually what more, I use. Yeah, so it's a more curved shoe, right? It's, it has, so if you look at, again, if I go back to the video of his foot, where was it? That, there, that's it, right there. You can really see how high arched he is. Yes. So the general idea, if the person is high arched and they have a stiff foot, they are not getting enough of range of motion and cushioning from their foot. Correct. But they could benefit from those things if the shoe would give them that. So yeah. that's why some of the ASIC shoes or some of the flexible shoes from other brands are more curved in shape. So they're more hollowed out through the arch. And are especially more cushioned as well too. And more cushioning, yeah, exactly. And yeah. and not dual density. So these, these shoes like the structure that have um, a stiffer foam on the medial side that's usually indicated with a pattern or a different color of foam. Yep. Sometimes it looks like lightning and it looks like the, the swivel marking. Yeah. So the ASICs have a, something like dual max. It yep. says it on the side. So those are telling you that it's dual density foam, which I guess was developed by Saucony way back in the eighties, um, like 89 or something. Um, but, but a, a person with a high arch would do better with just one density of foam with it's cushioning and the shoes allowing them to pronate a bit. They will yep. never over pronate, but they do, they do need to pronate somewhat. Yep. And for those are the people that some people refer to as supinators or, you know, erect, um, a high-arched kind of cavus foot. So, so a lot those, of cushioning, definitely a lot of cushioning for someone that's uh, in a higher yeah. arch foot. And more curved last, so the shape of the, the foot. Yep. And for other people, again, another cue is if you've ever walked barefoot, say on the pool deck and look back at your footprints. How much, uh, how see, much of a wet foot can you is see? Is your foot like this or is it curved like that? Yeah. So those are the two ends of the spectrum. And again, think, my foot is more like Je what you're seeing with Jessica's. I'm more, I am over pronated, but I'm not, you know, heavy used to say wickedly pronated. <laughs> so I can, because I wear a graphite orthotics, then I can get away with using some of these stability, some of these um, you know, carbon fiber shoes. Yeah. Um, but I didn't do well with um, Pegasus, which is oh, a neutral interesting. shoe. I didn't do well with the Even Pegasus with the orthotic turbo. as well too? Even with an orthotic, it's just mm. not enough shoe for me. And I could feel the twist in my plantar fascia. Yeah. Um, and then you know, Pegasus Turbo, which is more of a, a really cushioned shoe. It has that Zoomex foam and it's really curved, almost like an ASIC shoe. Again, I loved running them. They're really fast. They're really cushioning and springy, but I couldn't wear them. Interesting. Um, For me, the Pegasus seems to be the line because I, so I do my, wear my orthotics. Oh, sorry. I think it's cutting out. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Go ahead. No, I was, uh, I was just saying, actually, I think Nike, Nike Pegasus seems to be my baseline. So anything that's below that doesn't seem to have enough cushioning for me. But by the time I get into a Pegasus, there is enough cushioning for me so that if I put an orthotic in there, I'm getting the proper support that I need, I'm getting the right cushioning that I need, but it's not, it's not too little, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that's the sort of boundary line. So you can get away with the Pegasus with your orthotic. Whereas me, I have a pair of Pegasus that I just wear around because people were talking about how much better the 37 was than the 36 <laughs> but i found the pegasus 37 was too shallow in the heel so with my acute with my orthotic with my sport orthotic i was pulling out of the heel but yeah. also i was feeling too much um 
too much twist in my kind of fascia. Got it. So I just stopped running, and I only got one run in in, in them before I said, "No, I, I, it's not worth it to me to." Um, so that's when I would wear. I have um, a New Balance. As fuel, this is the fuel cell prism, so it has a oh, stiffer yeah. foam on the medial side. Yeah, I wear this more for when I'm on the elliptical. Okay, I, um, just to give you a little bit of extra help. More, yeah. So it does give me that support. It has a pretty good heel counter, and it's more straight lasted. Even this, even the outsole is stiffer on that medial side because it's. Um, so, this is a more stable shoe. Nice. Um, That's a nice would, one. You know, so I would I would tend to, and it has the it's a newer tech and so on. It's got the fuel cell midsole, um, but I would tend to do is use a a softer, maybe one of the carbon fiber shoes, and then the, maybe the next day do my recovery run in a more stable shoe. I like that. You know I like what I mean. That. So you're not yeah. if you if I kept on wearing like if I wore the Pegasus or the Pegasus Turbo, I couldn't wear those multiple days in a row. Yeah, because you can you might put a little bit too much more stress, and it's gonna add up, and it's gonna be a little more cumulative over time. Exactly. Over like two or three yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly think that's probably one of the best strategies is rotating shoes, because again, you kind of adapt your foot one way, but if you keep maintaining in that same path over and over again. Um, you might create that same issue where maybe it's too much twisting. Yeah. So I, I like that the word that you used residual effect too, because I talk about that because I quite often would get the question from more often women, but also men, they want to wear dress shoes, say for work or going out, you yeah. know, a party or dancing or a club or weddings or whatever. Um, and I, I would say, well, think about it in terms of a week. <laughs> residual effect so if you want to wear those nice shoes high heels or dress shoes on friday night or saturday night whatever it is if you're wearing good shoes the rest of the week then you can get away with your feet are going to still be sore the next morning but it wouldn't be as bad as wearing high heels correct all week all month all year because i i did when i was working at feet first um i would have customers who are these older ladies who had been wearing high heels all their life or sling backs <laughs> or whatever. And their feet were just, just you know, hammer toes and yeah. bunions and, <laughs> and you can't do anything at that point. I mean, I had mild bunions when I was in high school because again, I was wearing those desert boots and deck shoes and so on. But by wearing orthotics, now my feet look really good. I mean, I still over pronate, but I don't have the deformities and the redness and the soreness that I used to have. Yeah. I agree because my feet are protected by the orthotics. So I'm, I'm a really strong, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a strong advocate for, for the use of orthotics. Same. I have been my entire life and I will never move away from it. Um, orthotics have been my life and you've been at national sports Mm -hmm. you know what it's like walking at a concrete floor or really stiff, hard floor for eight or nine hours. So yeah, sometimes it could be a little bit taxing, but you know, for the most part, I think a lot of people just generally need help. And sometimes the, form of help is in an insole or an orthotic like there's nothing wrong with using an orthotic okay yeah yeah so i i find that yeah i just i just turned off the sharing just uh, so i can that's okay have a bigger screen <laughs> um so i also yeah. want to, yeah, go ahead. to bounce off of the orthotic now let's go to the complete opposite end do you believe that you can build an arch and is it worth it to build an arch if you are an overpronator or what's the what's the building an arch life like for you is, does that exist i think it does exist um i've improved my foot mechanics by w- deliberately working on my intrinsic foot muscles okay um even again a, as a running cue 
um, cinching up my foot, preparing for initial contact rather than letting my foot sort of slap the ground. Yep. Um, the most, maybe the most uh, telling example of that is we had a podiatry student who was, uh, who had been a ballet dancer for 10 years before we saw her in the lab. And when she walked, it was very, I would say contrived. It was technique. She was just walking across the room, but as a belly dancer, she kind of floats across the room. Yes. Right? She, but it's she not like she's glides. doing it just now. It's just second nature for her. She's been doing it for 10 years, right? Since yeah. she was a child. Um, and I asked her about that because her foot looked like an ideal kind of rectus neutral foot. And she said that there's such a demand in ballet to have a certain form. There's a certain, a certain form they're looking for, a certain body type, certain body mechanics. You're supposed to weigh a certain amount. You're supposed to have certain proportions and you're supposed to move a certain way. Yeah. She, she deliberately taught herself to cinch up her foot to maintain that arch. Yeah. So she had been trained, but also it was her conscious, constant frontal you know, decision to to walk that way and had become second nature and yeah. so as a result her foot structure was was quite good though she okay. said that before it hadn't been the case but so again it's not something that happened in a single session it was constant. over time over time yeah yeah and there's a um, there's a physical therapist um and he's in boston i don't know if i should say her name but she's she's kind of cool because she's totally against orthotics but she's <laughs> totally into um, doing the training. Your so, arch so, she your was a, so she was a, so she, I went to a session with her and, and she taught us how to learn how to cinch up your feet. So, um, Irene Davis, she's a, so she does, she does a lot of running biomechanics, but she's okay. totally, and she wears unstructured shoes all the time. And she tries to get her uh, tr uh, athletes away from, from using orthotics. And she works on deliberate, um, you know, strengthening, kind of waking up your foot muscles effectively like they talk about you know unshed population people that don't wear shoes they are their their foot muscles their feet are, are stronger active right they're stronger but also they're they're more active they're they use whereas i think once you're in shoes you kind of ignore or maybe even forget that you have foot muscles yeah like if, a lot of people if you tell people that they have muscles in their feet they won't even realize that's the case because yeah. they don't it doesn't look like it's not like big bulky <laughs> muscles like your calf muscle or your biceps yeah it's not a visual muscle yeah but it's there and they, they serve a purpose to maintain the, the structure and the posture of your feet and i find it helps so my right my right foot was sore yesterday from having my shoe too tight the day before and so i was being lighter on my feet and i was essentially preparing my foot for landing and it's a lot easier to do when the foot's in the air because all you're holding up is the rest of the foot. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to support your whole body, but by preparing your foot in that posture, then the the foot um, is able to interesting effectively. Yeah, so that's my that's my understanding of it. It's kind of like thinking about minimalistic shoes. I mean, you are kind of training your foot in a very specific way. It's just, I think when the minimalistic shoe was such a trend. I think they were just selling it completely differently. Like they sold it completely wrong. Yeah. So that's the other thing is whenever I do give a talk on biomechanics of running or running shoes, the first thing that happens is all these hands go up in the audience <laughs> and they're asking what shoes should we all go out and buy? What is the, the one shoe that we should all buy? That's the, the best shoe. Everyone's looking for the answer. What is your foot type? 
what is your body mechanics? You know, what is your body weight? What activities? What? And, and that's where that's why there's a shoe wall with a hundred shoes on it, <laughs> right? Because there's there's all these choices. So yeah. I think so that. But I do I do feel it's important to. I think the minimal shoe was a problem because people just thought the shoe was going to solve their problems. I don't think running in minimal shoes for any distance is particularly safe because it does, you know, people get stress fractures. They at least get metatarsalgia, so pain in the balls of the feet. Yep. They get plantar fasciitis and all kinds of things. So, but I, and even now you can see in, in spikes, for example, they're becoming a lot more structured than they were. They're going the other way. Yeah. Um, so they're not as big and, you know, like you don't see people running a sprint in this, of course. <laughs> but they run a scaled down version of, that has a lot of these mechanical features a scaled down version that is focused on speed. So uh, that's where, and the other side of it too, is this, this is still kind of my opinion at this point, based on personal experience and what I've talking to other people, because like I said, um, these markers, I can only start putting more than about three or four markers on in barefoot at yeah, least on the foot. And the camera systems were only able to do to um, so when I ran the lab in Springfield, I could only have a marker on the ball of the foot and one on the ankle. I couldn't okay. put one on the heel because they were too close together on a child's foot. They would blur together in the view <laughs> of the camera. So I would get nothing. I wouldn't know whether it was a heel marker or an ankle marker. But in Springfield, so the, though, you only had minimal cameras. I think you're... Yeah, just at five cameras. Whereas now at least you have 12, but is 12 it... cameras. Yeah. So now with 12 cameras, I can have three markers on the calcaneus alone so on the heel bone oh, wow. three okay. markers. so i can i can see the heel Got moving it. in 3d i can have markers on the the ball of the foot the base of the first um the, the base of the of the fifth i can marker on the navicular you know so multiple markers on the foot i still don't have obviously all of the many many bones of the foot represented but i have at least a rear foot midfoot kind of forefoot idea yeah. so i'm getting I'm able to track more of the foot motion. Okay. And just recently we bought, um, we used to have uh, 16 channels of EMG with the electrodes are about this big so we can get muscles like wow. rectus femoris, lateral, fastus lateralis, gas, medial gastroc, tibialis anterior, but we couldn't get really small muscles. So we just recently bought another 16 channels of Delsys EMG, these little electrodes. So now we can start looking at individual smaller nice. muscles. So that's the idea would be, I'd love to be able to, to track a few intrinsic foot muscles to see if I can actually measure those. What I'm saying is now a lot of this stuff, there isn't any hard quantitative data on within foot mechanics. Not now at least, but you're, you're yeah. working on it. You're Getting there, on. yeah. So yeah. that's the plan is to get a better understanding because a lot of this is based on trying stuff and see what works with individuals. And then, okay, let's try that with more people and fine tuning the orthotic for different people. Yeah. Um, so that's still um, still a long way to go, but it's uh, getting there. Yeah. So I know uh, we used to work together. Mm -hmm. I want to see if you can give a tip. So a nice little tip to people that are going to go shop for a pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. And I know it's COVID and I know stores are kind of closed. In our area, stores are actually closed for another week or so. So for the customer that wants to walk into a shoe store and is trying to find one shoe on the wall. And, you know, for budget's sake, it's not like everyone can buy three pairs of shoes. So I understand that too. But if you're now looking at this big shoe wall and you have 15 to 200 pairs of shoes to choose between, like, how do you shrink that wall as a customer to say, you know what, I think these one, two or three are probably the ones that are for me. Whereas 
when you look at that wall, it's intimidating. Like it's impossible yeah, to yeah. find something that you want to, that works for you. So how would you shrink that wall down as a customer? So the first thing I would do was activity. So if they are going to be just walking and running, then narrow that down to walking and running shoes, because I do still hear people tell me that they have a, a pair of Metcons and they still go out for a, a 1K <laughs> run in them, you know. Um, Silly, but right. not ideal. But you can it, still right? do it. You can still do it. They can only afford one pair of shoes, but if they want to stay active, that means not getting injured. Mm -hmm. So they have to pick their shoes, first of all, based on the activities they're probably going to do. So if they're going to be doing, if they're going to be doing stuff in the gym, like elliptical and bike and treadmill, and they're going to do some weight training, maybe they're still okay in a running shoe. But if they're going to be doing stuff like lateral agility stuff, then they're going to have to go to a training shoe. So that's yeah. the first thing. So I would pick activity. Identify the activity. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be the first thing. And then the other thing is maybe in advance, do a little research on the internet and see what shoes are available out there within a brand. So I, the reason I chose Nike, first of all, was that was the only company that had running shoes when I started running in high school in grade 10. <laughs> besides north they got you at an early not, age right they got um, you early but it fits the shape of my foot i have a relatively narrow heel but i like to have some room in my toe the toe box of the shoe so as much as i love the designs that asics have i find the toe box is too narrow for me mm. and even some of the new balance shoes like um i had a i have a pair of the uh, new balance fuel cell tc which is again one of these super shoes it's like the training version of the rc elite um it's kind of narrow for my baby toe. Mm. So sometimes you'll find people gravitate towards a brand because it really fits the shape of their foot. So some people really do well in Adidas or Brooks or Saucony or, or Asics because yeah. of the shape of their foot. So I have a couple of friends, twins, brother and sister who do really well in Asics because they have sort of high arch, narrow, slender feet and they just always wear Asics and that's just what they work with. Yeah. So I've, so know your you know, brands, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, I, But even within brands, I don't do well in Pegasus or free runs. Uh, most of the Metcons are too wide for me, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so really, and even within Nike, I can be a 10 or a 10 and a half. So I think it, it that's how I kind of narrow it down is um, if you're only going to pick one shoe, I wouldn't pick one of these super shoes. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, I would pick more of just a general training shoe. Yep. I think, again, like you said before, the person who's buying a $39 shoe, they're not doing themselves <laughs> favors. I think no. you, need to, you need to pay $100, $120 to get a, a substantial shoe these days. I agree. Um, if you're going to be running in them. Yeah. And then initially, if you're just going to pick one pair of shoes, I would maybe err on the side of caution and say, then just run every other day because you're going to want to give those shoes a rest. If you're going to wear them every day, they're going to be no help to you in about three months. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Maybe the last six, eight months, if you're rotating shoes or if you're doing alternate days. Got it. So that's kind of, and then the other part of it is once you're in that sort of price range and the right activity level um, would be that the, the foot typing thing. So if they know that they're a higher foot or, or a pronated foot, or a neutral foot, then they can look at the shape of the shoe. 
you can you can look and that is where as a customer it's okay to take the shoe off the wall and <laughs> test the foam you know and, and but in advance you should look on the website and and say you know what the shoe company is saying about the shoe oh it's very light and flexible breathable it doesn't weigh much or it provides medial stability and it you know or it provides cushioning so those cues in advance so going there with some notes and a piece of paper or some notes on your phone to try a couple of brands because they might go to the, get to the store and they don't even carry that brand. Yeah. So then you're out of luck. So it's nice. And even when I was knowledgeable, so, you know, working at national, I would look at the person's foot, have them walk, ask them some questions. And then I would still show them shoes across three brands in a category. Right. So but then also them. it'll be up to them at that point to determine whether or not they want to go to $80 or $120. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you can get it, and the, and the other thing too is like, for example, Reebok is starting to come up with some pretty good shoes mm, in running. Interesting. For the longest time, I wouldn't touch a, a Reebok shoe. <laughs> Me right? neither. They were good for a I would never try right? those Zig Kick. Those Zig Kick shoes, I would never try in my yeah. life. So there's a there's this Earth no on O N shoes. Yep. Oh yeah. Some, of, yep. some people really love them. Uh, it's really popular in Europe. Some of the uh, YouTubers. That They're coming up in the U.S. and Canada too. Yeah, yeah. and then. Skechers, which was used to be what ladies would wear when they weren't wearing high heels, and they, oh, these Skechers are so comfortable because they're not killing my feet the way they have high heels. But <laughs> Skechers now makes a super shoe for marathon running. They do. And um, this guy, um, Jameson Michael, he's a guy in Texas. He's a YouTuber, and he he gets uh, guest hosts come on who are elite female runners, and he he is really he's really happy with the Skechers. A couple of a couple of these YouTubers really like the Skechers. Um, I can't remember the brand of it, the name of the model, but there's Skechers, even Skechers is coming out with some really good shoes and yeah. Puma. So yeah. I, I know that the shoe game is definitely improving out there because you know what, there's a lot of tech out there. And I, you know what, I think as a consumer, you can't be fooled anymore. Like if you really want to know if something's really good or not, the scoop is going to be out there. Like yeah. someone will review your shoe and say it's good or it's bad. And uh, it is the information age. After all, you know, all that information is out there. We have the power to do all that research to find out whether or not that shoe will work for us. I think you just got to be willing to do the homework to go find that information. Yeah. So I, I really like watching these YouTubers. Another, I should mention a couple of the other ones that are really good. Uh, there's a guy named Ed Budd. He's in UK. Okay. And he's tall. So he's, he's wearing like uh, UK size 12 and a half. Like with the uh, US okay. size like a 13, 13 and a half, 14 and a half. Yeah. So, uh, and then where Seth James Moore is wearing smaller sizes, I think he wears like a, like a, a seven or an eight. And then Kufuzi is a, uh, he's a Korean guy who, out of Chicago and he's running marathons and half marathons. He, he reviews a wide variety of shoes as well. So uh, for me, I like to, cause they all have different foot types. Yeah. In some cases they'll say, oh, you know what? I ended up wearing, putting, the insoles from my Nike or from my Brooks in this shoe, or I had to wear a super feet because this shoe just wasn't providing enough for me. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, you know, I, I was another guy, uh, Andy, the forest of Dean runner, he likes a stiffer shoe and it's got a wide foot. So he, he doesn't do well with some Nike shoes. Yeah. And he just says, well, you know, he does really well with um, Hoka, some Hoka's. Yep. New some Saucony's well, New Balance. So, and he, and he says, you know, just my foot type or what I like the shoe to feel like, I just don't get on with this brand or that brand. So I, yeah. I think that's part of it is knowing the, there is that, cho there are, there's choice out there. Not everybody's trying to make exactly the same shoe. They're 
Correct. they have a slightly different market, you know? Um, and that, I think that really helps. Like even for me, uh, I, I'm trying other brands like this, this, um, your collection over there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this one is a new people. A lot of people are saying this one is nice. Like, so this might be a, that's a 1080 you said, right? Yeah. The 1080 is the V11. It just came out. Um, it has, it has, um, they have the ultra heel, which is, it's got kind of a heel counter, but it's not as, not as aggressive it's like and it doesn't have the padding. It has like a, almost feels almost like felt here. So it arches away from your Achilles. So it's not giving that rubbing. Um, but a, a lot of people who wear a lot of Nikes and Asics and so on, were saying that this is a really nice, um, recovery day shoe or a long slow day shoe it's not going to give you the snappiness of some of those other shoes but yep. it gives you a lot of cushioning there's a lot of comfort um it's a good balance run, it's a yeah good run balance. like heller uh, really talked about that and then she was also saying that the 1080 v10 is a good like the save some money get the previous version so that's another good <laughs> that's another that was good the national shoe. sports special there yeah man. right that's a that's a that's what i did with the structures for the longest time they would come out with a 20 hour about the 19 for two-thirds of the price yeah still a good shoe yeah you know so that's another another tip i would give people for running if they if they want to save money buy the previous version when the new one comes out you could get a slightly better shoe but slightly slightly right? slightly better than you would have. So if I wanted to pay up, I only want to pay a hundred dollars. I can get the $120 shoe from last year for 80 better than a, a, it's better than a shoe that was listed at a hundred dollars. Right. So that's another, another tip. So again, at national quite often they'll have the, the version 10 <laughs> and the version 11. And if you, and it's already on a reduced price. So that's a, yeah. that's a tip for some people because they want to get a good shoe. They don't want to spend too much money. Maybe later on, as if they that's the other thing, if they're just getting into fitness, they don't want to go out and spend $200 in a pair of shoes and then no, say, ah, oh, this isn't for me. And then it sits in the closet. But if they, on the first time out, they go and say, hey, what's on special? What's on clearance? And then yeah. they'll buy a really good shoe, but it's last year's. There's nothing wrong with as, that. Right. And then as they get, and they go, you know what? I really like this. And I, I would like to try that newer one. It's supposed to have a better, more cushioning or more support. Then they can say next in eight months, maybe they buy the other one, or maybe they rotate it in and they have two pairs of shoes yep. last year's and this year. So I was doing that. I was wearing the structure 19 and 20 at one point. So I was, I was giving the shoe a rest and then I was um, still benefiting from a different shoe. So that, so I'm not getting the same overuse injury. I'm getting slight variations on how I run because the, the shoe will change, will help you to change, to run differently. Yeah. There, I added a layer, so it's all good. Another <laughs> Nike layer, though, it's all yeah, good. That's right. I needed to. Um, I don't. This may be too much information, but I've been trying to really work on hydration throughout the day. Oh, good, yeah. And um, trying to get close. I know it sounds like a lot, but I'm trying to get close to like 130 ounces of water in a day. And 130 ounces. It's a lot. Because they say eight. Let's say eight cups a day. That's only 64. Eight, yeah, eight, yeah. Was, eight is about 64. So I'm yeah. trying to like really up it. Because at, at the same time, I'm working out like five or six days a week. Like I still mm -hmm. need to replace what I've already lost. But I'm trying to make sure, I'm trying to go by like a, a ratio that I've heard. It's anywhere from 0. 0.6 or 0. 0.5 ounces to 0. 0.75 ounces to body weight. So I'm oh. trying to stay in that ballpark. But uh, it results in a lot more washing breaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It really does. Just 
take it easy on your kidneys there. It's a lot of work for the kidneys. I guess you won't, won't get kidney stones that way. So, uh, yeah, my um, uh, I used to have these really cool conversations with my orthodontist who did my braces. Was while I was in grad school, I had braces, and uh, he was a cyclist, and he weighed himself before and after his run, and then figured out how much he was sweating and made sure he brought that much water with him. So that that was pretty cool. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna go that specific, but I'll try I'll try to replace it at some yeah. point. I'm just gonna turn off the light in a second. It's all good. Yeah, that's better. All right. Okay. Well, I'll try not to yeah. take up too much of your day because I know this okay. has been. I'm extremely thankful for you doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, it's, it's a so nice. It's a nice big chunk out of your day to actually sit down with me and uh, completely appreciate it. I know there's a lot more things happening in the world these days. Mm -hmm. So again, thank you for actually sitting down and taking the time with me to do this. Um, I know you mentioned you texted me about it. Do you have your uh, little kombucha with you? Oh, no, I didn't get one. Oh, it's <laughs> all good. It. It's all good. <laughs> I drank it on the weekend. I thought, I'll, go, I'll get another one. That's and all then, good. Yeah I, didn't, yeah, I don't That's have it here. But yeah. So I was going to ask, like, what, uh, what should I look for in, in a kombucha? Um, for like me that. personally, what I do like finding is a dark bottle like this. Oh, so I do find that it kind of protects the drink and the cultures a little bit more than normal. Whereas if it's a clear bottle, sometimes it's a little more of a lighter flavor by the time I get to it. Oh, it's like beer. Remember the nays have those clear kind of like beer, <laughs> clear just, like beer. <laughs> yeah. um, just like that. Uh, I also like brands that are really carbonated because then it tells me that it's been carbonating and it's actually been fermenting for a longer period of time. Oh, so if okay. you've been into the world of kombucha, or if you know about kombucha, the longer that it continues to ferment, the more carbonation you get. So I look for a drink that's like really spiked and one that's more neutral, lighter in flavor. I try to veer away from purchasing like on and on and on, mm -hmm. but I try to find something that's like really carbonated and really spiked. So something that's really carbonated and dark bottles, I always, always jump and uh, look for that. The ones, the ones I drink are from just from Trader Joe's. They have a, a big selection of nice. stuff. I don't know if you've probably heard about Trader Joe's, but oh, it's, like yeah. A, yeah. it's funny. It's the stores are fairly small. It's almost like, you know, how big the shoppers drug marts are getting in Toronto. Yeah. Like the one at Young and Finch, you can go grocery shopping there. It's, there's almost <laughs> everything there, right? You can get Halloween, <laughs> Halloween decorations and Christmas decorations and they have, you can buy a TV there. If you want yeah. To. Yeah. You get organic <laughs> stuff and uh, buy a computer or whatever. They have cameras and, you know, movie cameras and stuff, video game video games, consoles. Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, the, Trader Joe's typically is about the size of that. Like it's like a neighborhood small grocery store, but they have yep. a lot of organic stuff mm -hmm. and they have a good selection of kombucha. So I've been trying a couple of ones that are, um, one is ginger. One is yeah. it's a ginger is the most and, common one you'll yeah, find. There's like a mango one. And there's one with three, which has like, I don't know, pineapple. It has coconut and ginger and stuff like that. So there's yeah. many out there. Uh, the Trader Joe's actually went to Florida with, uh, I don't know if you remember Alexandra. Do you remember Alexandra Colian? Yeah, Alex. Did they call yeah. her? She was the one they just called Alex? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, we went to Florida, actually, I want to say now two years ago, and we want we went into a Trader's Joe's. And you know what? It was a really nice kind of tidy, I don't know how to describe it. It was kind of like a tidy farmer's market type of store. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like a big, big chain store, although it is a chain, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't the one-stop shop. It was... It was very focused on like wholesome, organic, and like more of its own product as opposed to, you know. Yeah, they have a lot of their own Trader Joe's products. Um, they, the cool thing is that they, they have a lot of organic. So you can, I can buy everything organic, broccoli, green beans, carrots, cauliflower, yeah. cucumber, whatever, lettuce, or romaine. And then you can buy all kinds of organic meats if you're into meat and 
organic milks and yogurts and so on. Yeah. And then there's, they still have like corn chips and whatever, and they have wine and beer, but I don't even go in the, the wine and beer aisle. I just don't, <laughs> I'm not, but it's, there's a, so it's really only sort of two or three aisles and there's not, you know, when you go into like a Loblaws in Toronto, there's like a whole aisle of just pop, you know, <laughs> and their aisle of just chips, you know, yeah. whereas it's, it's so tiny. And the other thing that's cool is that it's kind of a neighborhood store, even yes. though it is a chain across the country. When it you go feels much it, more neighborhood. You know, they know, I know the names of, they know my name. Like there's another, there's a Steve who works there. And we always go, Hey Steve, Hey Steve. It's just kind of a joke, <laughs> but I, I talk to a few of them and you see them all the time. And it's like, yeah, this, um, I was, uh, what show was that? Um, Dharma and Greg, there was a TV show yep. a few years ago. And she, and Dharma said, "Well, you know her. She's our checkout girl. You know, it's like, and it's like this is the thing because you know them. They're like a part of the neighborhood, so it's it's yeah. kind of cool. And so that's I'll do like a Costco run um, and get once in a like while TP or whatever. Uh, but <laughs> Harry, you're not the one that's uh, uh, hoarding all the toilet paper, are you? No, there was a big line, and you're only allowed one of these giant <laughs> packages per per visit per household. Right? they would actually say oh, you've already been in here today with buying toilet paper you can't only buy one <laughs> one giant box you could you know can barely carry it right? it goes underneath the cart you know? so yeah so i'll do a costco run usually once a week or once every other week just to get those things like toilet paper and and the church and all that stuff free of tilapia or something like that <laughs> roasted chicken. but yeah so yeah um again i thank you for doing this and i uh, thank you for kind of carving out this time slot oh yeah. Normally, thanks. Was, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it was. It was. Sorry, it was hard to find a day. Yeah, they, they worked out well. We found one. We found one. Yeah. We found one. Um, what I would normally do is when I end the podcast, I normally ask for some tips. So, okay. because this is uh, a special episode, specifically on like shoes and feet and just general foot care, I'm going to ask you to give us uh, and the listeners some tips about either maintaining your shoes or maintaining your feet. Just okay. some things that you maybe do yourself or some practices that you like to preach completely to your students or to patients or clients. Just give us some tips that we can try to do to either maintain our shoes or our feet. Okay. So for the shoes, um, some of the things I talked about would be actually inspecting the shoe and making sure it's not um, like it, if it's starting to be all canted on one side, the upper, or if the you can see the, the foam in the midsole is starting to disintegrate. Sometimes it just looks discolored. Yeah, or sometimes it even looks like it's creasing a little bit. Yeah, right? it's creasing more. Um, some of these newer shoes, like people used to, were concerned that the the um, ZoomX kind of creases early, but you can tell when it's actually starting to break down. So I actually saw someone in Costco shopping in a pair of, <laughs> of these like $285 shoes and he would he had killed them. I don't know what he's doing in them, whether he's gardening in them or, was he a heavier set guy or was yeah, he, he was just a like bigger a, guy and he was oh, just yeah. <laughs> killing these shoes but yeah inspecting them um after a run i look and see how is the wear on the outsole you know i tend to wear and you can see where the tread starts to wear out mm -hmm. um like on these shoes i'll i tend to wear them here because i'm reaching and i end up coming down a lateral and i find it's important to come down more flat yeah so looking at at the uneven wear because part of it is if the if the tread wears out so much, you may actually slip if you're not getting enough traction. Of course. And you'll see some people who are wearing the shoes maybe up 300, 400, 500 miles where they actually wear worn through the outsole down to the midsole and it's starting to break down. Yeah. So that's a 
pretty easy thing to look for. The other thing is after I worn my shoes, this has the, the glued in insole. I actually take my orthotics out and I, I air them out. So okay. the rest Even of the day, they stay as well too? Yeah, if I take my orthotic out and I put them on the floor next to this shoe and I air it out. Okay. Um, I don't put it back in the shelf with all the other shoes until it's been aired out a couple hours at least. That's good. Um, even I'll put out, I'll open the window, like the sliding glass door, and I'll put them so they actually air out so they're nice. Because <laughs> I was going to say, is that more for the smell or is that more for the compression of the foam? Both, right? Because the <laughs> foam, the foam needs to recoil, so you don't want to wear them again tomorrow. But I don't know if you know some of these guys who who have like a, a rotation of like Air Force Ones, right, or Dunks. Yep. They have a sh they have a, 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 a closet with twenty pairs, right? Part of it is you can't wear them every day, or they are going to start to sink. And so that's the thing is to, to air the shoe out so that it does get a chance to dry or it will start to smell and it's, the material is going to start to break down. Yeah. And that's not healthy for the shoe or for your skin of, of your feet. Yeah. So then moving on to your, to your feet is looking at, um, oh yeah. So the other thing with the, with the shoes would be if you see your toes pointing through. So quite often when customers come in, their toes are peeking out the front. Or they've completely burst through the shoes sometimes yeah. too. Yeah. Sometimes it's because the toe box was too short. Like some of those um, Nike Epic React and so on. Oh yeah. The, the Nike Epic React are definitely really fly. Low, yeah. And I can't deal with those shoes because I have a pretty thick orthotic and my toenail feels we'll pressure. up. Yeah. Right. And so some people you'll see the shoe blows out on the lateral side. So that could mean one of two things. It could mean that the shoe is way too old that they're in the wrong shoe and they're blowing it out laterally in terms of support or that the shoe is just too narrow for them. Yeah. You know, so those are a couple of things to think about because it, so it's really good if you're considering buying a new pair of shoes to bring in a pair of your old shoes. Yep. That's a good trick help too the as well. person, help the person uh, to help you choose a good shoe for, for next time. Yeah. So quite often podiatrists and so on, the athlete will show up with a bag of shoes <laughs> just to sort of say, this is what works and this is what doesn't work. And this is what it looked like. And that can help the, the guy in the, or the girl in the, in the shoe store, but also it could be the physical therapist or the podiatrist or whoever. Yeah. So, and then and for your feet, I, I think it's really important to, to pick the socks that work for your, your foot type, your skin type. So that you, like I do really well with these thin socks just because, um, I don't get any, as much rubbing. Some people advocate using two pairs of socks. Oh, wow. Two um, pairs of thin socks or two yeah, pairs of like cotton socks? Um, so in Canada, a lot of people were wearing like, you know, those little gray work socks with the red stripes, like yep, you yeah. wear with work boats. Yep. A lot of runners were wearing those as well as a pair of like sports socks, gym socks. Jeez. And I found it was just causing me more friction. Yeah, I would. I, also, I generally yeah. wouldn't want to wear two socks anyways, because it will create the friction between yeah, the material. Yeah, your foot squirming around but yeah. some people like that and there's even a brand of socks that has two layers of material that's supposed to avoid um, um blisters and so on but i found it caused more Creating problems it. yeah i thought yeah. so too so i think that's part of it is picking something that works for you and then inspecting your own feet and seeing like i look down at my feet my first cue is were my were my socks too tight again <laughs> and so i can see even though i have this thing underneath the tongue and I try not to tighten them. I could see the line where the where the laces were across the, the top of my foot. So looking at that, and then um, another cue is uh, one of the hallmarks of plantar fasciitis, which is this arch pain that people feel. 
is when you first step down out of bed onto the floor, you'll feel that pain. Yeah, that tightness. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of the first clue that that person has plantar fasciitis and then it's time to treat it with orthotics and whatever else. Um, but so my, my trick was to, before I get out of bed, was to move my feet around and try to, <laughs> you know, make things a Just little bit more nimble. Yeah. And yeah. then when you step down, the tissue is more pliable and it will stretch without being, without getting those micro tears. So that's just a tip that works for me. I found, cause I was getting plantar fasciitis at one point and I thought, well, why don't I just try to warm things up before I actually step down and then I won't feel that. And that seems to work for me. Yeah. And sometimes that's all it needs. Sometimes your feet just need to breathe a little bit more, get a little more active, wake up from, uh, from bed as well too before you can actually start walking on it all day long. Yeah. So a couple of the, so Seth James and more, he, he shows himself before a run, you know, using one of these rollers to, he has one of this one that's kind of studded spiky. almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he'll roll his arches on that just to get going. So I don't do, maybe I don't do enough of that before my run. I wait after that first case. Um, but I do a little bit of trying to just warming up before I get out there. Um, but I feel like in a way I should, I just don't want to stretch cold, um, yeah, stretch of course. cold muscle. So that's just what seems to be working for me right now. But that's the question too, would be inspecting your feet and looking to make sure that you don't have, you know, athlete's foot, um, fungus going between the toes. Um, any redness, any calluses even? on the, on the, hmm? or even any redness. Yeah. Redness. Yeah. Cause yeah. so for an example, when I had, when I had that um, bunion, it was mostly that I was getting them um, on the, on the ball of the foot. I was getting redness around that area and I was having pain. There wasn't any deformity yet. Sometimes the big toe looked like it was pushing against the second toe. And so mm -hmm. on the toes were kind of like a little puzzle, you know? <laughs> um, but so that was telling me a, something, but I didn't know what, right. But it, part of it was that I was actually loading that medial surface of my foot instead a of the dorsum of my foot because I was rolling in so much and also the pronation was causing that so again they're looking at just at the redness and and things like that and, and inspecting the comfort you know the the texture and the coloring and and so on swelling and calluses blisters those things can really help you you know to decide what to do next and whether you can pick different socks different shoes or whether you can do things like soaking your feet or um, you know carefully washing your feet yeah Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, man. Um, My pleasure. I really appreciate that. Like, it's been fun. I don't know if you uh, would have been able to carve out this kind of time for me, but I oh, really, yeah. really thank <laughs> you, man. Um, we're still in the national sports world, but I can tell you for sure that we miss you in national sports, man. We don't oh, yeah. have, we don't have that, you know, that specific footwear ace that we can say, Hey, um, you know what, if you need help, <laughs> you got to go see that guy at the back over there. I'm sorry. Like I can try to help you, but it's going to be him back there. We missed that from the back in the day. That was the thing. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I sort of tried to think of it as healthcare because I was, it was, I had worked at, I don't know if you remember Athletes World. I used to work at Athletes World during okay. my undergrad. And was so that, I, you came stuff. from Athletes World, didn't you? Way back. Like I was doing Athletes World when I was in undergrad. So like oh, okay, in, the, okay. in the eighties, mid to late eighties. Yeah. Um, and then um, I just, uh, the, the reason I got connected with national was, um, Peter Lee. Um, he's Linda. Do you know Peter Lee? Peter Lee. Yeah. No. He's a hockey guy, and he did okay. tennis rackets. He worked for National, and okay. when at, when it was at Young Street, Young and Shepherd. Okay. And he's Linda, my wife's brother. 
Oh, so he, okay. He encouraged me to, to, why don't you go and apply to national? So I got a chance to talk to, to Damon. Um, I think I, I, he's the first person I talked I to. Him. So, yeah. and, he, and he sort of said, you know, why, why do you want to work here with a PhD in biomechanics? <laughs> and I said, uh, I need, I need to work because I was just finished my postdoc and I didn't have any funding, but also I love shoes. I love athletics. I'm really interested in shoe design. And I don't know, to me, it's healthcare, right? Like it's I part agree. of, I completely right? agree. it's part of, it's, you're not, every, not everybody's going to see a physical therapist or a podiatrist or a medical doctor, but everybody needs shoes. And there's an opportunity for, you know, if you're talking to other employees, this is an opportunity to provide healthcare. I agree. Right. This is uh, your feet are pounding, like just walking at one and a half body weights every step. 20,000 steps a day. Yeah. You know, 30,000 steps a day, depending on the person. Yeah. Even 10,000 is the goal, like this basic goal. Um, that's a lot of steps. And if you can put them in a good shoe, you can affect their health. Yeah, their I feet agree. will be healthier. And if they're active, if they're able to walk, do those 10,000, 20,000 steps, then their mobility increases and their fitness will increase. Their quality of life will increase, decrease, you know, things like blood pressure, diabetes, whatever, all these heart conditions, all this kind of thing. So I feel like that's something that working in, in, in athletics, they should recognize this is an impact that they have as employees, Yeah, that they, they can help the general public. Yeah. And that's, this is probably, really deep. you know, I think that should be, that should be, for me, that was really inspiring. Like people were saying, you're working at a shoe store. <laughs> Aren't you, weren't you just doing a postdoc? And, and it was at the time it was really, it was a little bit downheartening, right? I was discouraged because I thought, what's my next thing? I'm looking for a faculty position, but I, I wasn't liking what the jobs were like, you know, but I really enjoyed when I was engaged with, a, a customer the drug i was thinking of them as an athlete or as a patient or as a client and i could see that i could help them in a yeah. small way you know oh, in, a I, in a big way in a big way right and then and then when i got an opportunity to, like um i'll just i'll give you the backstory on how i got this job um just maybe this is a good way of tying things together um i'm on linkedin so i was looking for jobs i put my i put all my profile up all the things i'd done and so on and I got, a, I got a link request from somebody, Drew Smith, he's my director. Um, and he said, um, I'm gonna be in Toronto for a wedding. You know, do you wanna sit down and have a talk? And I said, yeah. sounds great. Cause I was thinking maybe he could give me a lead or maybe give me some advice, what of to course. do next. Cause he was, he had been the, he had been the moderator of Biomechal, which is a biomechanics discussion list on the internet when the internet was still a, a new thing. So I sat down with lunch uh, with him and uh, said, he said, well, you know, I have this, I work, I have this lab in Southern Illinois, actually, and sorry, SMU, Assembly Mary University. So Southern Illinois is the other place that I went and worked in Springfield. That was that. prior to, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah prior, prior to. But then he, he talked about the, the work that they were doing. And he said, you know, we're trying to put together another position. I'd like to have another person in the lab so we can collaborate and do a wider variety of stuff. And he said, but it's not a sure thing. Uh, it's not a thing yet. It's just keep it in mind and, and I'll let you know. And so later on, a couple of months later, he said, well, here's, there's this job we're trying to put together. We're trying to um, get a job description. And then he later on, he sent me, here's a link. Um, 
you know, consider applying to this. And I, I looked at it and it looked really amazing. And I applied. And then my first interview was a Skype, you know. <laughs> and then he said, they said, yeah, come on down and we have an interview. And I went to this place and we went to the, the lab. The lab was fantastic. And he said, yeah, this is their lab now, but we're talking about moving to a new campus, which was um, still is a thing that we're talking about doing. But already this lab was, you know, that time. State of the art. Yeah, we, at that time we had a nine camera system. We have a new system that's now 12 cameras. We had uh, two force plates, now there's six. Um, the EMG system's better. And the wide variety of stuff that I get to do is just fantastic. But the stuff I learned at National, like the product knowledge and, and doing the foot assessments, that has become a component of what I do in the lab because we're doing stuff with running shoes, orthotics. We're doing stuff with running biomechanics. One of the lab, uh, one of the um, presentations I give on WebEx now every month is uh, uh, trends in high tech shoes, hmm. and it's a lot of us. And then this is a customary thing to have. A so that's why you have all those shoes next to my desk. <laughs> well, part of it is just it's a hobby. Right? It's, yeah, I, I really want to try them. I, I see the YouTube video of one of these reviewers talking about the shoe, and I said, "Oh, I got to try that." <laughs> and then, and having having had several shoes like at National too. You got to try on the new shoe that came in. You know, I got to try the Minimus. I got to try the Free Run, the the Asics GT, and so on. So this has become. It all makes sense. Like this, everything you learn is important, right? And and I feel like it's all added up. And so the opportunity to do the wide variety of research and teaching that I do now is because of the wide variety of stuff that I've done in the past and the opportunities yeah. that I had. So even working at National, um, though it seemed like nonsensical in terms of a typical <laughs> academic oh. career path it's made perfect sense because all of a sudden i have had an opportunity to try these shoes on myself and see them on hundreds of pairs of feet of other people as they came into the store like on a, a big 60 i was still doing the full <laughs> foot assessment right because <laughs> i wanted because i didn't want to send them off just with a 40 dollars sketch of shoe yeah right i wanted to make sure i was giving them the right shoe and and so you just learn it over and over again so i think that's it that would be the, the, the clue I would give or, the, or the, the tip I would give for the employees with consider it as, as healthcare, as this is an opportunity for you to really make a positive impact for your customer, for the, yeah. the population. And then also to try on the shoes yourself and really get a sense. So when you're talking about the product, whether it's technical clothing or whatever it is, that you're speaking with authority because you've tried it on. You know what it feels like. You know, you know what this, the zipper feels like. You know if it goes up all the way. Does is this comfortable or is this zipper digging into my neck? You know, or does I just bought a shirt? It's too tight across my chest. You know, um, the material dies after putting it in the wash or whatever. You know, things like that. So the, I think that's those are the kinds of things that you can. I think those are positive things because so, sometimes yeah. when you're working the job, it's like, oh, this is a job. I'm tired. I don't do it today. But I can do this for these people. I can, I can learn something for myself and also I can, I can help people. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really cool. The, the funny thing is I actually still train new employees to actually go to the footwear department, find shoes that they like and wear it for half an hour. I think that's yeah. honestly the best lesson you can give anybody it's better than I what I can teach them in an office than what I can teach them in a classroom. It's like real world experience that you can actually influence other people to do. And those people are going to be the extension of me. So I want yeah. them to have that experience to know that, you know what, this shoe feels like this. This shoe doesn't have that much cushion. But then also be able to apply that as healthcare to someone that needs help. And yeah. 
let's face it, a lot of people that are buying shoes, uh, they do need help. And sometimes it's intimidating because you're looking at a shoe wall of 200 shoes and you don't know where to start. You don't know if you can trust a salesperson. You don't know what their motivation is. You don't know if it's big 60. Yeah, it's leather. It'll stretch. It's leather. It'll shrink. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I I was going to say, I still remember this, like Blair took me through the product knowledge. So there was a course you had to take and you learned about the different foams and the midsoles and the different short foot. That stuff is all really important. And yeah. I still use that knowledge today. So it gives actually, you a good base. It definitely gives you a good right? base. Yeah. And then when you look at a shoe, you can look for those components. And then, again, you can speak with, with authority. And then it's easier because certain ones, they have like a, a different color or they have a little name or something. So it reminds you as you're holding the shoe, showing it to the person that those are the features. Um, but having that background product knowledge really helps, I think. Yeah. And so... And, and it's tiring to go through those training courses, but I think they're really <laughs> valuable. Um, yeah. So, and certainly the, doing that, trying stuff on, I, I always did. I don't know if you knew that, but we were always oh, trying no, I, everything that, everything that came always, in, a new, a new shipment of shoes coming, everybody's like trying them on. And, it, and was, it wasn't quite everybody, but it was oh, really? for, you, oh, yeah, for it. you specifically. Yeah. I knew that that's what you really enjoyed. So that was kind of yeah. something that I always believed in when I was, you know, a department manager and trying to run a footwear department is you can't really talk about shoes unless you know what they feel like. Like it's impossible yeah. to like, you can say that it has this technology and it, it's going to be moisture wicking and it's going to be good for you in this way or that way, but you don't know until you actually put it on. So that's kind of something that I always believed in shoes yeah, as, so. as, as it is. Um, I think that was actually just something that more or less we kind of did. That wasn't something that everybody did. It was just something that I think <laughs> the select, the very fine yeah. select few people did. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really important because then you know you can tell them you know, like you say with with authority you know yeah, with I agree from your own personal experience this is what works for me this is I find this part was irritating to my foot but my friend has the same shoes their foot is shaped this way and they're good with it so yeah you know so that's when I would look at someone sometimes they would take their their shoe off and it's a yeah that looks like an Adidas foot right there <laughs> or you could tell right you know they they're going to do well in an Asics um like Nimbus or something like that just by the shape of their foot and how they how they walk so you'll get that more and yeah. more just by by learning and I th- so I think that's I think that's an important part is yeah, I agree so trying it out but you know don't so to value the product knowledge that that you have an opportunity to learn but then putting it into practice and trying it yourself and not just at the beginning but every time the shipment comes in, oh, <laughs> hey, look what they've done with the such and such. It's different this year. It doesn't bend as much here, or, or you know. So those things are important. Like the new, um, what is it, Fuel Cell Rebel? There's a new yep. Fuel Cell Rebel coming out, a New Balance. So I'm gonna, uh, I'm getting a pair of those. Um, uh, so that's gonna be cool because it's supposed to be better than the previous version, and it's got this feature. And so yeah. So with the um, amount of shoes that you have, I'm looking forward to that YouTube channel you put up. That's so I'm just I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. I, I don't know just... whether I'm uh, so I don't know if I can do that um, <laughs> officially because of the university. You're not supposed to. So, but this is the thing: the YouTubers they do say, you know, I'm not being paid by any company. I bought the shoes myself. No one's paying me to make this. It's not video a paid or, sponsor. You know what I mean? So some of them do have um, links to affiliate, like affiliate links to whatever company. But they say this is, I'm allowed to say whatever I want. And you can tell when the, you know, the, all the names that I mentioned of those YouTubers, those I, I have really good confidence in them because they talk about various brands and they call out a, a company if they've done something 
in terms of a, a certain shoe that just isn't. Yeah, working. of course, to their opinion. It's always subjective to their opinion yeah, too, right? Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, I love it. Yeah, well, good. I look forward to the YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know about that. But <laughs> I, uh, I do appreciate the time though. And uh, I know it's about lunchtime for you. So I know I'm going to try okay. to let you go and enjoy your lunch. Yeah. But again, uh, I thank you for doing this. Oh, my and, uh, it's been great. Again, anytime that you're in the Toronto Great area job. and you're looking to come back to Mississauga National Sports and you want a job, you just let me know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a visit. <laughs> yeah. Guest appearance. Yeah. But you, you, this is a great YouTube. Uh, this is a great uh, podcast. And you do, a great, you do a great job. Uh, uh, I struggle sometimes because, you know what, I'm trying to create a lot of content. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough game. It's a tough game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're trying to I, pull in guy, listeners. You're trying to create new content constantly. Like it, it's tough. It's a tough game. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Manny Project Podcast. Don't forget to download, like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can now listen to the Manny Project Podcast now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also visit our Facebook page and our YouTube channel at The Manny Project. And you can also visit our Instagram page for the latest updates and upcoming guests at the.manny.project. Be safe, everyone.